we haven't even introduced ourselves on the show. No! Hi, everybody. Hi. 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 Welcome to The Memory Machine. My name is Nate Lockhart, your host, now and forever, and always shall be. World without Nate. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Uh, and across the room from me is... I am Nate Lockhart, wow. your host, Two now Nate and forever, <laughs> wow. also known as Drew Burke. Wow. Nate Lockhart, also known as Drew Burke, and Nate Lockhart, we're your two hosts for today. Only two hosts. Yeah, only two hosts. Uh, this has only happened once before, but uh, someone failed on me, and you know who you are. Actually, that person uh, gave me a soft maybe, so you know what? My bad, really. I think I've given that person a soft something or another in my own time, so handshake. Yeah, right. right. Soft, uh, uh, a, limp, a limp handshake. For those, who, for those who listen to us regularly, I'm not trying to sound like a sexy evening radio host right now. But if I'm sure I'm you wish you were trying. Yeah. Excellent, but I yeah. went to some wrestling, some local wrestling on Saturday, yep. did a whole lot of screaming, mm-hmm. and uh, since I sing as a full-time job, well, I sang Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and now my voice is just now starting to come back with a little rest. Good thing you're here to talk for two hours. <laughs> did, uh, uh, quick aside, did Cyclone Jones win? Well, no. <gasps> But Cyclone Jones was also the heel in this match. No. Yeah, he was the baddie. He'll always be a hero to me. He's, well, I guess it depends on who he's wrestling with, like what organization. Oh, he, really? He was a good bad guy. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, do you like, you like I still him better as a bad guy or a I good guy? I still rooted for him a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Well, Cyclone I like him Jones as a good guy because I want to root for the good guy because I'm yeah. not like, you not, know. I'm not a jerk. I'm not a jerk. I'm not a yeah. bad person. Yeah, right. Wow. As much as other people claim. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not a jerk. But I'm not the type of man who roots for the bad guy. Sure. I mean, I know right. we've talked a lot no about one. my feelings on Putin, and <laughs> you're confused about my support of him, but that's different. You know? uh, it's so different. It's yeah. so different. So, exciting news. What? This, uh, coming up for the Nickel City Comic Con, right. which is, is May 19th. Uh, well, that weekend of May 19th. The Memory Machine will be doing a live podcast. But a live podcast at the Nickel City Comic Con? How's yeah. that going to work, Nate? Well, you all sit at a table, and then people presumably show up to listen to you. Wow. And uh, somehow, you know, your voice gets louder, I don't either by circumstance or by uh, technology. Ooh. And you talk, to, you, you talk about something to people. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm interested. What do you think you're going to talk about? Well, the subject is going to be our favorite firsts in video games. Oh, my. And if if you want to share with me your favorite firsts in video games, and I encourage you to do so, I uh, please email memorymachinepod at yahoo.com. Please do that. We're going to be having a special guest. Uh, we will be having the one and only... Mr. James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. Excellent. Which will be a lot of fun. He, I've I've met him once before. He is he is very uh, kind and sweet. <laughs> now I'll tell you, I'm not a person who cares to watch anything of that nature on YouTube. Sure. And yet I have still seen a number of his videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. so so that to me says like this is some. He's at least. Uh, fairly well known because I'm not yeah. someone who actively ever looks up any of that yeah. and I still find myself watching his videos from time to yeah, time he's, so he's, he's, he's doing well he's on there so man. you're doing well by oh, getting him with you yeah I'll tell you it's a lot of fun 
I, I wish I had come up with a good uh, something that could incorporate our love of obsolete media more. Mm. Uh, he is a big collector of things like uh, CEDs and laser discs and beta and all that kind of stuff. Sixteen millimeter film. But uh, I couldn't think of a way to make that into a podcast that people would show up. You to. know what? You, <laughs> you know, know what? what I mean? It can always be in there as as a little uh, side note. You know, and now it's time for the obsolete media portion. Uh, now it's now it's time for us to all talk about the Ted Telefunken. Uh, oh my! Uh, floppy rotating disc. Telefunk you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Telefunken Ted. That's what it's called. Oh, no. um, so yeah, that's going to be happening May nineteenth. At 5 p.m., I'm not sure what meeting hall it's going to be in, but you can probably look it up on the Nickel City Comic Con website. So please do that and show up and make me feel special by coming. That sounds great. Yeah. So let's move from that into the Week in Geek. And I was hard-pressed to find anything for the week of May 9th. When he says that, he means, once again, he forgot and looked it up while we were sitting hey, in these hey, chairs. Hey, 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 you know what, though? I did it before we started recording. <laughs> that is true. That is <laughs> that, true. Although a, we did start recording an hour later than intended. So, Oh, did we? Did he really? <laughs> oh, my God. It is 8.30. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so this week in Geek is sort of more like a this month in Geek. So... I looked up the film releases in 1993 because that's 25 years ago. That's a nice, uh, it's a nice round number there. I like it. It's a good anniversary year to look back towards. But uh, this month, May 28th, the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out. Oh, in theaters. Well, let me tell you what. I remember distinctly not watching that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did not watch it in theaters. My parents thought it might be inappropriate for me. Mm. Um. Well, but, didn't it have uh, Captain Lou Albano or something? No, that was my brother's super show. Come on. Oh, he wasn't in both of them? He was not. It was Bob Hoskins as Mario. On Jeremy? Uh, no, that's oh. in the porno parody. Oh, and, gosh. Uh, I'm really mixing up these movies. <laughs> and John Leguizamo as Luigi and somebody else as Princess Daisy, not Princess Toadstool or Princess Peach. And then uh, Dennis Hopper as king koopa dennis hopper dennis hopper is king koopa wow it is quite a performance it is a it is a rambling wreck of a movie but it is a fascinating watch i once dressed up as dennis hopper for new year's eve because we had well we had a dress as a dead celebrity party we did this several years in a row you had to dress as someone who died that year and i had bangs and a mustache so i was like well I'm gonna be Dennis Hopper, Dennis Hopper, an easy rider. There you so. go, perfect. Yeah, it's uh, it's not very good, but it's very, it, but it's very fascinating to watch. Uh, Bob Hoskins hated being on that movie, hated it, hated it, hated it. Uh, was not afraid to say so in interviews. Uh, yeah, he just said it's the worst shoot he's ever been on. It's the worst movie he's ever been in. So. Did Nintendo produce it, or did someone buy the rights from Nintendo? Someone bought the rights from Nintendo. I believe TriStar was the one that made it. I, I don't really get how that could happen. No, it's it's weird. It would never happen again. No. There's no way that would that could ever happen again. It's probably why you'll never see a live-action Legend of Zelda movie. You just won't. Mm. Because that this whole project burned them so bad. Well, and, and add to that the fact that like people get incredibly butthurt 
<laughs> when source material of something they love isn't used totally right. But let's use Legend of Zelda as a quick example, okay? Mm-hmm. Now they have come out with, like, the Hyrule Historia that tries to do different timelines, and there's a really neat video online mm-hmm. that talks about how they can't all be happening at once. I don't. I think it's a yeah. game theory one, but yeah. re- regardless. Um, but they have tried to reconcile it, but they definitely did in the beginning. They're just making games for fun. Yeah. There was no intentional timeline, but then people start getting so intense about their stories that, yeah. oh, we have to make a timeline. But realistically, Mario of Super Mario was Jumpman. Yeah. Right? So it's not like he wasn't a plumber and a snake charmer and a this. Eventually, he just became Mario. Yeah. And, and the same Mario that drives in a golf cart is not the same Mario that is playing Super Mario Sunshine and squirting black stuff off of things. No. Is not the same one in Mario Party. They're just using the same character. one in Punch-Out that's refereeing the match. Right. They just they just matter. own a character, so they use it. So in the same way, they could make a Legend of Zelda movie. Mm-hmm. And people are going to get really bothered that, oh, well, he was supposed to have and she was supposed to have. And it's like, no, yeah. because they're just using fun characters. Right. So the, they have two the, hours to tell a story, so let them do that the whatever real way reason, that works The best. real reason they will never make a Legend of Zelda movie is because people think uh, people think it matters, and it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing is with, this, with Super Mario Brothers movie is that it just... I mean, there's something to be said about wanting to kind of stay stay in the spirit of a source material, whether you're adapting uh, a book fair. or adapting a book or, spirit a, of, yeah. or a video game or whatever, a comic book. You know, you want to be in the spirit of it. Uh, Super Mario Brothers misses the mark so hard. It's did they know the source material? I have. I don't think they did because <laughs> what they turned what they turned it into was like this dystopia where humans evolved from dinosaurs instead of apes. And or not apes, but you know, uh, Lucy ape-like hominids. Yeah, but still, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a rambling wreck of a film. Go see it; it's wild. <laughs> Please, it's wild. It's wild movie. Go see it in theaters today. <laughs> it's not in theaters. Don't go to your theaters. It's not there. <laughs> Look for it on DVD instead. But yeah, that is uh, the weekend geek. Well, uh, month in geek. Yeah, in now, well, yeah, well. Guess what? We haven't mentioned our topic yet. No, we didn't. So this topic, I, I, I was trying to, I was scrambling around trying to figure out, okay, what what can I do between now and I got a couple of recordings coming up, and and I just sort of thought, you know what? I really want to talk about failed video game consoles. Boom. Drew wants to talk about failed video game consoles. Boom. Just let's do it. Let's yep. do it. I had a Wednesday free. It's my mom's birthday today. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday. I mom. was hanging out with her, and then I came over here. We had steak. Yeah. That was good. great, and then we, and I came over here. Good. Awesome. Yep. Was it a good steak? It was wonderful. I bought it at the local abattoir, because keep in mind, <laughs> I work in a farming community, so uh, I bought it from yes. someone who just slaughtered their own cow. Nice. Yeah, it was great. Nice. All right. Fresh. Yeah. yeah. Roll fresh. That's good. <laughs> had, had, the, had the hide still on it. Um, so, where, uh, what, what, so let's, uh, let's begin talking about when we say failed console, when oh. we say failed, what are we, what, what are we trying to zero in on here? Well, to me, this is this is kind of a hard topic, and this is something that came up in as I was thinking about it. Failed for a person is different than failed for a corporation, True. because let's say I sold forty billion dollars worth of something, I'm a success, mm. but then everyone hated it. 
did I succeed? Yeah, from a business standpoint, I sure. did. But as a fan, I failed, right? They're looking at the company and saying, this company failed me, they didn't succeed. Yeah. So failed, I'm I'm looking at it, when I think about a failed console, I mean, it will probably mm-hmm. come up some things where it's like, oh, people didn't like this because, people didn't like this because, and, and that's important, I'll just jump ahead yeah. to, for example, the Virtual Boy. Sure. There's a lot of things not to like about Virtual Boy, yeah. and thus... It is failed. It failed as a on the market, mm-hmm. but it also failed the public. So sometimes they yeah. do go hand in hand. But I'm more concerned with commercial failure. Commercial, commercial failure. Yeah, success? and okay. and 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 if that commercial failure happened because it was a failure amongst its fans, well then. Yeah. So I, yeah. I I think my problem with that in approaching this this podcast means that if that's the case. Uh, we're going to have a six-hour-long podcast. Well, of course. If we're going to dan- not, we also yeah. just talked for 40 minutes about the Super Mario Brothers movie. We did. It so wasn't like, 40 minutes. It was oh, like, I'm sorry. It was like uh, uh, 39. We um, gave more time to that movie than should than the people who directed it did. I'm going to have to do a podcast on it someday. <laughs> <laughs> All about Super Mario Brothers movie. Just sit and watch it and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. No, when I think of the, the, the failures of a console, I, I try to go beyond just business sense because I, I feel like there were a lot of consoles that that didn't didn't make the grade money wise, but still had good games, still had a decent enough following to sort of warrant a a, a sizable follow up fan base, or perhaps did well overseas in another market, something like that. Like I think of like I I, I would not call the Sega Master System a failed system necessarily. Mm. I could see how you could. But yeah. for intents and purposes of this podcast, I would like to stray from that. Same with the TurboGrafx slash PC Engine. That actually had a, a very decent following in Japan. And it also begat uh, quite a few great games. Well, and I think artistically it succeeds as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's not a, there's it's some certainly not a failure that, artistically. There's some things that are that are a failure for reasons not of the quality but right. what I what I seem to find in any of my I, I have not played almost any of the systems I'm going to talk about. Oh today. no, I have played very little as well. Uh, what what I, what what I know about them uh, seems like the failure comes from a combination primarily of three things. Okay, a cost issue; they weren't cost effective for people. Mm-hmm. An oversaturation of the market by systems like the Nintendos, like the Segas, like the Playstations, hard to compete with. Yes. And from a lack of versatility, whether it's lack of third-party software, lack mm-hmm. of, in some cases, any software. They're just single solid-state machines. Yeah. And that seems to me to be overall what drove any of them down the drain. And I'd like to end, I'd like to end talking about something that probably most people don't have in their house. But it actually was quite a success until it tried to update itself. Yeah, let's see if yeah, yeah. You're let's keep, see you're if you keep can that a mystery for the end. I am. I am because right. something that has always intrigued me. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Cool. So where should we start at the beginning? I think I, I I liked what what you suggested starting with the very first home console, oh. quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, I, I you'll. We'll probably explain in a little bit why I only call it a console in quotes, mm-hmm. um, but it is the Magnavox Odyssey. Yep. And it was not a success in terms of dollars. I mean, it, I'm it, sure it stayed in the black. It was. It, but... it sounds like, from what I know of it, that it was a success in terms of it, there just wasn't anything else like it. Right. 
and there was at least interest. Anytime something's brand mm-hmm. new, you know, there of course there's a tentative aspect. But mm-hmm. the thing about Odyssey was they didn't. I mean, video games didn't exist. Yeah. So the idea was just basically an electronic home game system in a general sense. Right. You basically move squares around the screen. You put film overlays on your television. And mm-hmm. so then you like move through mazes and things like that. There was no, I mean, you could go as out of bounds as you wanted. It was up to your yeah. family. You kept score yourself. They yep. even came out with little kits that had money, like like Monopoly money and, and coins. Poker and chips. And, and, um, and so in a lot of ways, it was successful because nice. nothing had ever come along before. However, numbers say they only sold probably about 300,000 units in total. Right, that that was it. Which which from 1972 to I think 1975. Right, and and in, by the same token, my, the Atari 2600 sold over 30 million. Yeah, I mean, so of course, just, that was over the course of 13 years. Right, but, but just to give you an, a comparison of when yeah. we're talking about how how popular something was. So the right. first one wasn't a flop. No, but it wasn't a hit. And especially when you think about things like the accessories, the light gun. Those are pretty cool. They're, they are cool, yeah. but the light gun only, they think, sold about 20,000 in total. Yeah. And so... It's a giant rifle. Yeah. yeah. And, and so so there are there are pieces where they had some early forays mm-hmm. that succeeded for years after. I mean, you still essentially use the light gun for a long time. I mean, even mm-hmm. the Wii is, while it's not an actual light gun, it's just essentially, you're, it's the same principle. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I'm playing yeah. a first-person shooter on a Wii, that's... What I'm using is the concept that they had, mm. but for them, they sold twenty thousand of it. Yeah, so yeah, not not very many. They are very weird to play with. Have you have you ever uh, had the never chance to played? Put your hands one. On I've one? watched a lot of gameplay on them because they yeah. interested me, but I've never played yeah. One. Uh, every year, the guys, games, and beer bring their Odyssey to the Midwest Gaming Classic, and every year, Seth and I go up and we play a little tennis and. It is a it is a real wonky video game system because it's really and anything is up for grabs in terms. So by by this I mean, so you have these two little these two squares. One is two of them are paddles. The other one is a ball, and like pong, you know, it bounces back and forth. But you're kind of given free reign of everything over those over those um, those elements. So you can not you can move. There's a horizontal, a, a vertical knob, so you can move it up and down. There's a vertical knob, so you can move your paddle left and right, or diagonally, theoretically. There's the serve button, so you can serve the ball. Uh, and there's an English button, an English knob. And now English is you know like you give the ball English when little, you hit it. Twist. When you give it a little twist, and so what you do is is when you hit the ball after you've hit the ball, the uh, you can just wiggle that English knob, and the ball will just go spastic, and it's it, it doesn't really have any real rules other than what you put onto it almost. So in that case, it's very uh, it's it's limited but still wide open in a weird way. So it's not that's to more say... it's more like a it's more like a board game. Yeah, but, there, but yeah, but there was the, yeah. but that's the thing. Like there there was a lot to it. Yeah, you know, it was it was diverse. It was an electronic. At home board game system is a bunch of board games in yeah. one machine mm-hmm. that you then bought supplements for. Right. So was it a failure in terms of being innovative? Absolutely not. No. Was Ralph, it a failure in terms of Ralph people Bear was liking a it? No, people liked it. Like the yeah. the, the reception couldn't be poor because there was nothing to compare it to. No. 
There, I did hear, and I don't know if it's true that that, that one of the reasons it sold poorly is because people thought you had to use it with a Magnavox TV. Yeah, there there was that misconception. Okay, I didn't know um, if that was a real thing or just something somebody made up. No, but. there was that misconception. I mean, you'll you'll see in advertising like all over the place, like they'll say works on any TV. Like yeah. like they're really trying to nail it home. Like because I know it says Magnavox, system, but you can use it on any television. The system cost one hundred dollars at the time. Yeah, but if you bought a Magnavox TV, you could get the system for fifty dollars. Right, which is where the Part of the confusion, right? And right. they were hoping, and they only sold it in their stores. Yes. they didn't sell it in department stores that didn't have Magnavox, right? And so that idea also didn't help them. And and there's a temptation, I think, to call the Odyssey a console when, well, I guess you could call it. I mean, if you're going to call the Pong machine right. a console, then fine, it's a console. Yeah. But it, you know, people sort of look at its quote unquote cartridges that you put into it, and they aren't really cartridges. There's there's no ROM. There's no programming on that cartridge. What that is is it's basically a key to another game that you can play on the system. Mm. All the games are already built already in, in there. into the the machine itself. Interesting. So the cartridges aren't really cartridges in that sense. Tricky. That came tricky. with the Fairchild Channel F. Oh. Which is also not particularly successful, but I didn't really get into that one uh, because I felt like... I, I felt like it was too okay at what it did. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and that seems to be the case with a lot of yeah. systems. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm telling you, we could easily do a follow up. There, there very, are so very many. There are so many systems that, in looking at them, the basic comparison is like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And that's why I say one of the things to me that seems to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're jumping ahead an era here, and so then I'll backtrack. In a oh, minute. it's fine. But um, the thing that stands out uh, is how many games are available on that system. Mm-hmm. There's so many other things that came out at the same time as Atari, or I shouldn't say at the same, came out at the same time, but Pretty were close. available around yeah. the time of Atari. But what we remember is Atari. Yeah. And, th- and the biggest reason, as far as I can tell, is because Atari has this massive library. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that it also led to the Atari dump and all that type of stuff, yeah. um, it there is still, if I'm going to buy a video game system, and everything is pretty much on par with each other, then I'm going to buy the system that has the most game options. And not only that, but the one that has a brand name associated with video gaming. Atari had, by the time the 2600 had come out, Atari had been building a name for itself for five years up to that point in in arcades. And in 1975, at home. So they had already had a proven track record in terms of, of home video games. And, I mean, compared to the other options at the time... Atari, in my opinion, the Atari games look the best. They sound the best. Now, when did the Bally Astrocade come out in relation to the 2600? It was available by mail order in 77. Okay, and when and was Atari on the And it was on the, on the market in 78, uh, 77. Okay, so I mean, they're coming out at the same they're time. They're concurrent. And, and, and the, the comment that I, as far as I understand it, is Astrocade had the better visuals. Oh, yeah, by far. But, again... Not the same quantity of games. It wasn't something you could go to the store pick up in hand. You had to order it at first. Yes. And even when it came to market, it was more expensive yes. for less games. So you were really just paying for the graphics. Mm-hmm. So the people who were buying Bally Astrocade were people who said, oh, this looks better. I want it. Yeah. And I got to question how many people, since kids weren't buying these games at this point in time. This was not, a, not. This was not a point in history where kids had free income. Parents were would have been buying it for kids. Yeah. And so I got a question. How many parents are looking at the market and saying, ooh, this has all of these options. 
this only has these many options. I'm going to buy the one they're going to get more use out of. I know I, if yeah. I were a parent, I would do that. I would look yeah. and say, oh, this has 12 different things and this has two. I'm buying the one with 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I like what you mentioned about it. You know, since it's mail order, you couldn't put your hands on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you couldn't just walk up to a store and see it. And, you know, how are you going to find out about the Bally, well, Valley Astrocade? Yeah, it's not like know? they're playing commercials for it on the television. Oh, heavens no. There are no commercials on YouTube right. for and it. So, and so because there's no advertisement, you're just hoping based on some still images you saw in a brand name's catalog. You know, basically, mm-hmm. that's what it boils down to. Yeah. I don't know who you ordered it through, but that but that doesn't help. Yeah. So they shot themselves in the foot by trying sure. to do a pre-release yeah. instead of just coming out with something later with a bunch of games that went with it and be exciting. Uh, Bally Astrocade is one that I'm very interested in. A neighbor of mine had one growing, or his, his dad had one, and uh, so we tinkered around with it a little bit growing up. And they were really interesting to me. Uh, I, I'd love to get my hands on one again, but they're... They're not. They are not inexpensive. Hmm. The thing that really is interesting, and uh, someone I follow on Twitter, Kevin Bunch, he brings up that there was a basic cartridge for basic programming cartridge for the Bally Astrocade, and apparently people made games using that basic cartridge on the Bally Astrocade because you can save games to tape cassette because there's, ah, there's a little tape cassette yep. thing. And people would make their own games and sell them and did that for years after the Bally Astrocade was discontinued. Okay. So there's which, an, there's which an is interesting true of, epilogue. Yeah, that's yeah. true of a lot of systems. Sure. But I got to feel like something like Bally Astrocade is like, no, I already invested into this. Yeah. Gosh <laughs> darn it, we're making more games. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, you saw that, you see that sometimes with people, like they were old people who hung on to their Commodore 64 as well into the mid-90s mm-hmm. trying to make it relevant and, and coming up with some very impressive solutions. Yeah. Uh, r- really neat uh, word processors and things like that. But yeah, some people just, yeah, right. I made an investment and I got to stick with it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I'm not just going to buy an NES just because it's new. I can't do that. Nope. Already invested. That is unthinkable today in the, in the video game world. Yeah. Unthinkable. So we jumped ahead quite a bit to yeah. mention that, but you mentioned just in terms of interchangeable cartridges. Talk yeah. about Fairchild F, but yeah. there were a couple others at the same time. Yes, which I don't actually know anything about these systems. I've so, never heard of them. I don't know Jack Diddley. So fill me in. On I this I stuff. did want to talk about the RCA Studio Two. You were did you or to, did not? I did. Okay. Did, did you look that up? Did not look it okay. up. Never heard of it. In okay. My life. Well, let me explain. Well, let me explain to you what it was. Is it is it was this? Um, it's. It looked like any normal Pong console, right? Except it didn't have knobs. It had two keypads on the sides of it. Numeric keypads. Okay. And it had a cartridge slot in the middle. It was called the RCA Studio 2 Home TV Programmer. Oh, my. Which I don't know why. I'm not really sure the thought behind that nomenclature. But it it came out... In January 1977, so it was the second to market in terms of being a true cartridge-based game console, but it was severely limited. It was black and white. I think it. I think the screen resolution was something like 32 by 32. Was Fairchild already in color? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fairchild came out, I believe, the fall beforehand, okay. so in the fall 76. And yeah, this thing, uh, it's, it's black and white. It has a very, very low resolution. It has... Three capable sounds, a click, a low-pitched squeal, and a high-pitched squeal. <laughs> I'm Boing! going to, I'm going to do, oh, oh, like that. I'm, I'll do my version that I imagined. Yeah. So the first one was, yeah, like the sound you get in some Atari games. Yes, right, yes, Mom? a lot like that. And then the other one was going to be, 
and that was the low pitch squeal and the high pitch squeal was going to be (laughs) the high pitch squeal is not off (laughs) but the low pitch squeal is like Uh, it really really is like a squeak it's a (laughs) it squeaks uh but and the games are very primitive even even at the time they're primitive but it does have a very interesting backstory in that it was it, it features a processor invented basically in the late 60s early 70s by a guy in his living room oh yeah who tinkered around and just really wanted to get into he, he wanted to make a home computer really badly and he more or less succeeded okay creating a system that he called the fred that came that well didn't come out but he unveiled it to the world in circa 1971 uh and he tried to pedal this thing around, especially to RCA. And RCA was sort of, which is who he worked for. Mm-hmm. This guy, um, I want to get his name right. His name was Fred. Jo- uh, Joseph Weisbecker. Oh, Joseph okay. Weisbecker. You're right with the J. Uh, no, <laughs> F is not a J. <laughs> thinking, God, I'm drunk. Fred. J-O-E. <laughs> Fred. Fred. Um, no, his name, his name was Joseph Weisbecker. And he worked for RCA. And he tried to get RCA to get into this. So they were sort of thinking more along the lines of the hobbyist market, which is eventually how it came out. They had something called the Cosmac VIP, which was sort of a home kit computer that you could buy, very low cost. Uh, Of course, when I say kit, it means they would give you the parts and you put it together yourself. Yep. And uh, and they said, well, we could use it in this, uh, we could use it in this video game system. So he said, fine. And he worked on that and... There's an interesting story with this is uh, he had two daughters. Uh, one of them was Joyce, Joyce uh, Wise, Weisbecker. And she really liked to fiddle around with the, the Fred in, in, in this uh, developing computer system. And she learned to program on it. And she eventually came up with this little game, Speedway, which is a little tiny little racing game that she I'm made. I'm picturing pole positions. Uh, not even that. Okay. Think more Indy 500 for the okay. entire 2600, okay. but with squares instead of cars because that's how limited the resolution is. But, so she wrote that program and was able to sell it to RCA. She made, I think, $250 for, for her time. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. You know, you, you, you In see what you can. And by doing that, she became the very first female Ah, uh, video game programmer. That's awesome. Yeah. So that is a the more you know. A lot of people. Tend so to quote, was it really a flop? Because otherwise, we would have had the first female video game program. And that's the thing is business wise, it was absolutely a flop to the point that it was discontinued in less than a year. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, if I, well, it sounds yeah. it sounds like just with your basic description that they just tried to rush to market a product that wasn't yes. ready in order yeah. to compete with the Fairchild F. Right. Or, or something that they wanted to get out earlier and just they sat on it too long. Okay. And I, I think that's more of what it is, is they just sat on it too long. They thought, no one's going to want this. Let's hold off on it. Fairchild mm-hmm. F comes out and they say, shoot. Uh, we should have done that earlier. Yeah, I knew we, we should have. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. go do it now. In fact, in the, in the interview. Right, but ours has a woman. Yeah. In, in the interview I read with Joyce, uh, she uh, with Joyce Weisbecker, she, she said that uh, her dad was really irked. I just said, like, I could have been first, and I know it. I know I could have been mm-hmm. first if they just hadn't sat on their hands. Yeah. But uh, that, that, that wasn't to be. But, yeah, it came and went. Uh, there's really not much to say about the games on it. It's There's a little bowling thing that I've, I've played that. 
Uh, I played a little bit of the homebrew games that came out after the fact. It's apparently it's a very easy the, the, the processor that it uses the co- wow. the the Cosmac eighteen oh two is a very easy. If you tinker on it in your living room, yeah, right. <laughs> and if your daughter, I don't know how old his daughter was. At the uh, time. She she was out, just out of high school. Okay, yeah. Yep. So your eighteen year old daughter can program for it in a world where computer programming didn't exist. <laughs> right. It's not like this girl is online learning computer programming. Like. Oh, I just watched my dad do this in the living room. Yeah. I guess I can do it too. Like, yeah. I have a feeling that's not the hardest system to program. No. I mean, could I do it? No, because be because assembly that. assembly language scares me. Oh, you'd be fine. Oh, I don't know assembly language I'll give you a hard. hammer and a screwdriver and you'll do it. <laughs> okay. That's how it's done. That's what that's I how, That's how you computer that's program. That's what I've heard. Uh but yeah, I mean, there's one I played like a Space Invaders thing that someone did, and a little Star Wars game that someone made. And um, the history, the history of it is far more fascinating than the machine itself. Uh, well, except for the 1802 processor, which was very successful and continued to be used in many applications, including the Galileo spacecraft. Wow. Yeah. I like that a whole lot. So how lot. about that? So, he well, so, so here's what's interesting. So far we've basically yeah. talked about like how big video game flops are still video game successes. Well, so it's far. Just been, it's just been business blunders primarily. Yes. So far, yes. That's really been the biggest issue of what we've to the three we've talked about. I do think, though, once we get into this one, did, did you have a chance to look up the Emerson Arcadia No, you, you wrote up a fairly extensive amount on that yeah. in the notes, so I didn't even look it up because I'm like, well, you're just going to... You're just going to tell me about it. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you about it? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I specifically didn't read about it so that you would. Oh, okay. Well, let, well, let me tell you. Uh, the Emerson Arcadia 2001. Now, of course, there were video game machines. The year that was came out. 2001. 2001. This was really out of date. <laughs> um, no, An this, 18-year-old girl so, made it in her base. So this is 1982, right? You have the ColecoVision is coming out or has 82, come out. When, see, here's the thing. I was yeah. born in 86. Okay. My sister was born in 81. Okay. So when I hear that this came out in 82, I picture my sister like Saved by the Bell, Slap Bracelets. Now, granted, that's mm-hmm. obviously later, right? right? But that's the image I have of my sister. Yeah. And she was born in 81 uh, therefore to me 82 is like i want my mtv <laughs> well it was i want right right, right but, that, but, that, out, but, that, but that's the visual i get yeah so when i think video games i'm thinking of stuff like already more like the nintendo oh yeah no less like mm-hmm. anything else no uh i would say this machine had graphics about on par with the ColecoVision, which okay. isn't to say terrible certainly not but the but the thing is, these machines had already been out. Hyper Coleco's machine was what was definitely there with their port of Donkey Kong, which at the time was the most accurate port of that arcade game that anybody had ever seen to the home. So this was this is that what Billy Mitchell played? The Emerson Arcadia 2001? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Didn't you just see the thing about the, the oh, yeah. video exposing him? Oh, and... yeah. He cheated. He yeah. cheated big time. Yeah. Um, yeah, Billy Mitchell. I don't know if you listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you're, you're a, a turd. Cheater. You're a big time cheater. You're a big fat turd. Yep. Uh, I would agree. Don't cry that. in your soup. If someone has to take a video game score and make that so much their personality, you're not. <laughs> it's uh, problematic. I'll bet you can't even way. afford soup. Yeah. Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Well, he can afford to make hot sauce. Get out of town. I'll never eat that hot sauce. Ricky's. Uh, So Emerson Arcadia 2001 was made by, and I included this in here, B. 
because I just like the name. They were made by Emerson Radio and Phonograph. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. I actually have an Emerson in my bedroom. Do you really? Yes, I do. Oh, a uh, vintage Emerson? Uh, no, I had a vintage Emerson, but when it broke, it wasn't worth fixing, and uh, I got a new Emerson. Okay. So they're still around today. They make uh, clock radios, mostly, and uh, things like that. Turntables, tape decks. Well, that's what they used to make. Um, and they have a great name, Emerson Radio and Phonograph. I love that name. Agreed. But... Looking through this, I mean, it it arrived and it left in about eighteen months. When you see this thing, I mean, there were just there were no arcade conversions for it at a time when every other system had them. So what you have instead are a bunch of ersatz versions of these arcade games. Like they're not they're very. But when I say that, I mean knockoffs. Okay. Ersatz okay. meaning knockoffs, and they're knockoffs. That they're not particularly impressive knockoffs. I mean, they look fun enough, you know. I mean, I probably could play these games and enjoy myself fine. But when I look at this, when I look at the gameplay, when I have played one for a little bit at Midwest Gaming Classic, it's just, there's no, it's just, it, it is the epitome of mediocrity. Hmm. Like, it's so mediocre. It is the most mediocre thing you, without, video game console I can possibly it, think of. I'm picturing just playing one of the tiger handheld things that my grandma gave me for Christmas. Oh, it's not that atrocious. No, no, no. no <laughs> but, what I just mean to say is, like, yeah, this is fine, like, for a yeah. way to spend ten minutes. Yeah. Like, it's not, I'm not, yeah. I don't hate myself for having played it, but, like. Sure. yeah. It's okay. just like, yeah, it's here. It's fine, I guess. Yeah. I like this uh, little Pac-Man knockoff with a cat. I did fun, I, I did look this up now that I'm thinking back, but yeah. uh, I didn't look anything into it. I just yeah. I let you but the, but what I looked up just cuz I hadn't heard of it was that basically everything just said, yeah, it's it's meh. Meh. It's meh. It's, it's a meh system. It's, it's it's the most average mediocre meh video game system I So can how does that translate of. in terms of sales? And why did it exist? Just to get into the market? Just to get into the market, because they thought they could. In fact, I, I had I read somewhere that they had programmed versions of popular arcade hits, things like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, but the thing is, is those were already locked down into contracts, oh. so there's no way they could have gotten those out. I think what it is, is they had just invested so, too much into it, and they just said, look, we have to, either we just, we eat it, or we try to make a go of it and i yeah. said well let's try to make a go of it and it just didn't pan out gotcha uh, by any stretch so it was so it was panned by consumers for just not being <laughs> yeah anything so i guess panned is the wrong word. consumers probably just overlooked it oh yeah probably completely panned. they probably just looked right past it, like completely. oh just another one of these and i already own an atari right and i already own an atari there's already too much of these to, to keep track of why am i going to bother with this one and so it went and uh, why would you get an Arcadia when when you could get a uh, a ColecoVision, which has a better library, recognizable brands? Interesting thing about ColecoVision, and this is going to come up when you you said you didn't want to talk about like Sega Master System and that. Yeah. But, like I don't know anything about ColecoVision. Yeah. I don't know anything about Sega Master System. I don't know anything about Sega Saturn. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about you know. And, and and to me, that does say something about success. Not to say that I yeah. am the judge of success, but I am I am not a video game. Um, I'm interested in failed video games from the standpoint of I like defunct technology. Oh, my, yeah. my interest mm-hmm. in failed video game systems is in, well, why didn't this work out? Mm-hmm. I like old tech. Sometimes I prefer old tech to new tech. We've talked about how I like VHS tapes over DVD for a, a wide variety of reasons. Sure. Um, and I can tell you more about that. But that's but the thing is, like, it's just my preference. And that yeah. that, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but I don't like you've gotten into laser disc like it's not my thing you yeah know? um I've seen um well what's the C what's the big other disc where you play C-E-D? a vinyl CED yeah, yeah. I've seen them not again yeah. not into them you know and uh and so in that same way to me the fact that like ColecoVision uh those the Sega Master System that stuff the fact that I'm just a regular Joe Schmo who mm. never took the time to really even consider them says something to me of, I'm going to put the air quotes, I got air quotes, failure, mm. right? Because you didn't reach to the average guy. Nintendo yeah. got to me. Yeah. Atari got to me. Yeah. You know, Sega Genesis did get to me. Yeah. And part of the reason is because, like, it was cool. It's like, yeah. oh, Nintendo's the norm. Sega's the cool thing. Yeah. Now, I, we were just talking before uh, we started recording that I, I don't like Sega. Like, I own yeah. it, and still, I still have it. I still have the games for it. But I genuinely dislike the Sega. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, they duped me. They made me think it was cool. Actually, my sister bought it. Haha, <laughs> joke's on you, Beth. <laughs> Take that, Beth. Yeah, you and your Sega Beth. and Altered Beast. She also bought a Sega Game Gear. <laughs> Silly Beth. She, yeah, that's just like a repackaged Sega Master System, Beth. Yeah. Come on. Beth. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy that tiny screen version of Sonic 2. Beth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... That's I guess so. That's that era, though. I mean, yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it for for that particular era of video games, that that early pre-crash era of video yeah, games. Yeah, in, ter- in get... terms of real out and out failures, I think those are the ones that you and, talk well, about. I, I guess, and if it failed even more, we don't know about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a real yeah, big failure, right? Because I mean, I know there are prototypes in each generation that just never got launched. No, I mean, well, really uh, one of the most fascinating ones is the Atari Cosmos, which I oh, highly right. encourage you to look into. It is a uh, hologram-based video game system that they did not get very far into development for, as you can imagine. But uh, it's still very interesting. Uh, and uh, of course, into. there was uh, Uncle Joe's Fun Time Screen Punch, which <laughs> really was just a pair of boxing gloves and a computer screen. Yeah, it which, didn't, did not work very well. <laughs> was, the screen just wasn't resilient. Uh, did not you could work say out. it had a glass jaw. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, okay, so with that, we're going to go on break and finish laughing at this dumb joke. Hey, we're going to play a game show when we get back from the break. Oh, boy, I can't wait. Computer Golf, part of the all-new computer video game Odyssey 2 from Magnavox. Lots of multi-game cartridges, sports games, football. You've never seen anything quite like it. Educational games, Mathematic, games of chance, blackjack, and much, much more. Odyssey 2, another advancement from Magnavox. What's up, Geeks? Josiah Leroy here. The Geekiverse is proud to sponsor Nickel City Con 2018. Nickel City Con is Buffalo's premier Comic-Con and takes place May 18th, 19th, and 20th at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. Come say hi to us at our booth and win some prizes. Join us for one of our live workshops that includes Star Wars trivia, cosplay 101, and a live podcast. Or take in one of our celebrity panels that feature Richard Dreyfus, John Heater, and Stranger Things' Shannon Purser, just to name a few. View the fall lineup at thegeekiverse.com. Get your three-day pass right now at nickelcitycon.com, and we'll see you there. Hey, you! Get your hand out of your pocket! And nuke them! They're thinking about Geekcom! It speaks. A bigger screen, blistering graphics. Makes Duke Nuke affordable. Duke, don't play Game Boy. So get your hand out of your pocket and get Geekcom now! Hello, hello, hello. This is uh, Nate Lockhart, your happy, affable host here. Just with a couple notes, things to promote. Uh, 
in this break here uh, a couple days after the recording of the podcast. A couple things to mention. One, I mentioned a little bit in the beginning and the end of the podcast that the live memory machine with James Rolfe is going to be at 5 p.m. on Saturday, May 19th. That got switched around in the interim. It's now uh, 6 p.m. May 19th. So same day, just an hour later. And hey, even if you didn't show up an hour early, Grand Geekiverse Poobah, Josiah Leroy, would be doing a Star Wars trivia thing there. So, you know, uh, you wouldn't have had a bad time, but uh, you wouldn't have been to the memory machine. So, so that's just a little note of correction. Also, something I that only got finalized directly after we finished recording this podcast, I will be appearing on the Nintendo Main podcast. If you look that up, uh, just uh, Google Nintendo Main, uh, Nintendo M A I N, and I will be on that. Uh, should be the Friday after this goes up. I'll be talking about Bible games. So, you know, a lot of wisdom tree talk and all that. So catch me on uh, catch me on that. And also another note I'd like to mention is there were a lot of references I made to, to, to sources I had looked up. And I will be putting a lot of those in the show notes. So if you go to the article for this page on the Geekiverse or if you go to memorymachinepod.com and you look up the article for this episode, you should see some notes relating to some of the topics that we talked about today. Uh, lots of good writing. Uh, ben Jedwards uh, does the Lord's work. Uh, so look that up. And uh, also Kevin Bunch's Atari Archives. Anyway, thanks very much, and let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, and we're back with another one of Drew's surprise game shows. Ba -ba -da -da -ba -da -da -ba -da -da there you go. That's uh, the thief song, I guess. Well, oh, here's here's what happened. I had heard about uh, at some at some point in time uh, the Telestar Arcade, and yeah. you, you and I are both into just I mean just generally odd stuff, stuff that like really stands out as unique. Um, again, like I've been looking at VCRs lately, and I really seriously considered they had on the, the Goodwill website um, the what I consider the best top of the line VCR, but it was still for sale for like eighty bucks. I was like, do I really want it? Yeah. And then they had a high end editing SVHS VCR, Ooh. like real hand editing one, and it only sold for like fifty or so. But again, mm. with shipping and everything, like it was like fifty bucks shipping because a big heavy piece of machinery. Right. So I was like, I just I, I can't justify it. I wouldn't use it yeah. as much as I wanted it. So I found. Uh, the Telestar Arcade, just an interesting thing. It's shaped like a triangle. Yes. One side's got a steering wheel, one side's got a gun, and I thought that's that's pretty innovative. Yeah. But it got me looking into Telestar. So, yeah. going back to the beginning of our conversation, one uh -huh. of the things that made a game seemingly successful on the market was the availability of multiple games. And uh -huh. I know I'm a big N64 fan. One of the biggest criticisms was when it hit the market, PlayStation hit the market with like 20 plus titles. 
N64 hit the market oh, with yeah. two to three titles. Yeah. Right? And uh, and so... There are exponentially more PlayStation games than there are N64 Yeah, yeah. Games. And in fact, that's one of the things that makes N64 so collectible is the limited number of titles. Yeah. People like they can get them all. But mm-hmm. that's a different conversation. But mm-hmm. what I wanted to do was play a little game about okay. all the different Telestars. Okay. Telestar had a lot of different games, and a lot of them were out at the same exact time. Yes. And, but they all just did different things, because it wasn't interchangeable cartridges. Telestar. Well, there we go. Yeah. It wasn't interchangeable cartridges what it was was just a handful of games in one machine yeah so if you wanted more games you needed more machines yes so instead of having one system where you're just switching cartridges out you would have a shelf full of a ton of different telestar systems mm-hmm. so i'm going to name a telestar system starting okay. with the very very first one and you're going to tell me what games were on it oh you'll in have, terms of like the sports you'll have quote ten, unquote. yes yes yeah. you'll have 10 seconds to guess what was on each one. Maybe 10 is even too much, but yeah. ready for this? You'll have a few seconds to guess each one. So the very first one is the first Telestar. What was on there? Released in 1976. Tennis and hockey. Tennis and hockey were two of them, and the last one? Highlight? Handball. Handball. Okay. Yeah. okay. Fairly similar. Yeah. Right? And then that was actually just re-released. Same thing called the Telestar Classic. Yes. Same year, uh-huh. but they just... Change the name of it. So I'm guessing there was something special about it. Oh, it says Deluxe Woodcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very pretty, but they're enormous. And then we also released the Telestar Deluxe uh-huh. in 77, which was, again, the same thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Hockey, it, handball, tennis. Yeah. But also in 77 came out the Telestar Ranger. In addition to hockey, handball, and tennis, there were three more games. Oh, Clay Pigeons. Uh, uh, skeet t- Shooting. Skeet yep. Shooting. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know. Tag was not one of them. No. Something like that. You actually already said one of them. Highlight? Yep. Oh, Highlight. Okay. So Highlight, Skeet Shooting, and some Target Practice. Yeah, Target or Practice. Yeah, exactly. Target practice. Great. So then they released Telestar Alpha, also uh-huh. in 77, which was just hockey, handball, tennis, and Highlight, which is what you have sitting there on the shelf. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then Telestar Coloromatic. Yes. Same four games. Same four games, but all the paddles are in colors, and I think the background's green or something. Then, yeah. Telestar Regent. I don't know that one. Same four games. Yeah. <laughs> then, Telestar Sportsman in 78. that have a gun? Has a gun, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I believe it's the same games, though. I don't think they Probably. change the games. It just has the gun. It, I bet it's in color, too. I, yeah, I th- yeah. No, no, no. That one was a black and white, I think. Really? Oh, no. Said, sorry. It says black and white plastic case. Uh, oh yeah, so I'd imagine they stayed in color. Probably once once they the made it fir- color, first they one with stayed. the gun that that had yeah, color. So that was the first yeah. the first one that would be that. Yeah. All right, so then we get now things change in seventy okay. seven again. Mm. We're going back, uh, but it wasn't the sports stuff. They had Telestar Combat. Uh huh. <laughs> what were the four games? Well, there's Tank. Ba- uh, like t- tank battle. Um, no, no, like battle does show up, but not tank battle. Oh gosh, I I know I know what it looks like. I can see it in my mind's eye. It's green and has some camouflage on it, and it has well, like four you know joysticks. What? And you said an important word here because yeah. it's called Telestar Combat. One of the games is called Combat. Oh, go, oh okay. One of the games is called <laughs> Camouflage Combat. Oh okay. <laughs> and then you said battle, but not not tank battle. Night battle. Night battle. And robot battle. Oh okay. This Robot Battle would have been a one. I player, want to point out this is according. Version. This is according to Wikipedia. Okay, which I trust for things like this because sure. the people who are really into this have nothing better to do with their time. Because who would vandalize but, it? Right, right, right. <laughs> for what reason? Uh, and if you do, I guarantee you, someone's got an alert set on their phone. Yeah, right. Um, 
so then we have the Telestar Colortron in 78, which mm-hmm. is its original four games again. Yep. Telestar Marksman. Okay. Which combines How the four games from before be? with Target and Skeet. So yeah. now they're just, you know, so, so it's, just, it's just that same mix. Yeah. Telestar Galaxy. Same games. What was different about it? Telstar Galaxy. I have no idea. Separate joysticks and fixed paddles. Also oh. released in 77. So far, every single one of these has been released in 76, 77, or 78. Yeah. Telestar Gemini. Totally different games. Gemini. That wasn't the... No, the, the 2600 clone was some, something else. Right? Well, it's, I wouldn't guess it's this. Um... There, there is one that there, there, Coleco did release a twenty six hundred clone system, but I don't remember what the name of it was. Hmm. Was it well, Coleco Gemini? Uh, no, this is I don't know. This is Telestar Gemini though, so I don't know. Oh, Telstar Gemini. We I are have no idea. all of these are Telestar. Every single Jeez. one is Telstar. Well, you know why a lot of these were the same is because they used. I'm I'm sure. Well, I know all of them used the same chip inside the same integrated right. circuit. The AY three eighty five hundred. Uh, well, which, not this one. No. And that's part of why it's different. This one oh. is the uh, M. Oh, it's MOS technology. It's the MPS seventy six hundred oh oh four. It had four. That's pin, a real Four pinball games. Oh. and two light gun games. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sort of like their version of Atari's video pinball machine that they released in seventy seven. And then there Which was I the, have. the sure. Telestar Arcade. Which was that big old triangle thing? Which with, was the big triangle with, thing with the combat sticks? And, and what was the, the biggest? So, in addition to the being a weird triangle with all the parts, what was the real big difference about it? Finally, uh, it and had cartridges. It had cartridges. So, it still released in '77. All these were triangle cartridges that snapped on the top. Yep, triangular cartridges that you popped in there. Yeah. So we're still talking, about, and and each of those had five, six, seven, eight games on them too. You know, in the way that Atari does. Yeah. Sure. But but so yeah right when we look on the Atari box for Space Invaders and it says 112 video games right those are not separate video games those are variations mm-hmm. yes yes yeah. so so Nate you did pretty well mm-hmm. I'd say you know your Telestar you're I a know. real Telestar <laughs> I win da, 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 da. you know what you win <laughs> I'm not gonna smash your Telestar thanks <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that thing. You, I, I bought that I bought that Telstar Alpha. Um, I thought we were together at, at Philly Class at oh, the Philly Classic Lord. Two in two thousand two. I got it in the box for ten dollars. Oh my! Yeah, you got cheated. I did. That box <laughs> is full of asbestos. <laughs> it's it's slowly giving me cancer. Yep. Very um, but uh, so that was our game show. For that was, today. That's the game show. Woo! I won. I get to keep my Telstar. <laughs> I do want to. I, I always eye on eBay because you can buy some of those loose AY thirty five AY three eighty five hundred chips, and the schematics are just online. So, and it's all off the shelf parts. So I could very very easily just build my own pong machine if I if I wanted to, and I want to. I was going to say, I just why, why would you want to? There's already pong to. machines. That's because the thing. you know what I could do? Build my it's own fun VCR. To put together. Why do I want to build my own VCR? I bought twenty of them on a pallet. Puzzles are fun, aren't they? No. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I like puzzles. Uh, and uh, electronic stuff is kind of like puzzles for me. Or like, or um, smelly sewing, sort of it. I even feel sort of funny about like, as a musician, as a choir teacher, like making music sometimes. 
Why? Be- well, because like, okay, it's just printed there on the page. All I'm doing is exactly what's written on a page. Mm, but you give it soul, man. Yeah, I know. Print but a page like, can't do that. No, but 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 ultimately, like, it's not like I'm really yourself. inventing anything. I'm just like, oh man, it's gonna be a strenuous labor to recreate what's already written here. So, do you want to be Captain Beefheart then? Or, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess I do. Yeah. What was that? Troutfish mask? Trout, 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 trout mask replica. That, yeah. People, there was a Vox video about how that's like the greatest earworm album, blah, blah, blah. I've listened to that album multiple that. times. It's an awful album. It's something. Whomever runs Vox absolutely sucks. But I, I like it, but only very, very occasionally I, in order to shake, in order to just sort of shake me by the lapels kind of a way. When I feel too good about myself as a person, I listen to that, that album. Yeah, and I take laxatives. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, uh, I think old uh, Captain Beefheart would have been pleased by, by you listening to it that way, to be honest. You'd probably be like, yeah, man, whatever, however you feel is right for this, for this work. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought it would be an interesting way to bring this in. Now, this one console I want to talk about is probably the closest uh, failure that we're talking about that could be considered an also-ran. An also-ran, of course, being like a uh, second master system or PC engine. Which, again, to me, a lot of those are... Sure. You know, so 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 this might be something. So I'm guessing you're also ran is something I probably don't even know. Yeah, uh, this one is the Atari seventy eight hundred. Don't know it at all. Okay, this machine uh, has a very interesting backstory. It uh, was planned. Uh, some people at the time kind of remember it very vaguely being on store shelves. It was. It came out at nineteen eighty six. Uh, around the same time as the Nintendo Entertainment System. I was coming out. And the out Master that. System. Yeah, you were. May of 86 is when oh, I came out. You made a, wow, what a debut. Wowie wow. Yeah, the Atari 7800 and you. Both of us um, covered in blood and screaming. Yeah. But did you uh, enter development in 1984? <laughs> well, I entered development 10 months before I was born. 10 months? Mm-hmm. Were you a whole month late? Almost. I was supposed to be Holy born on cow. May 1st. I was born on May 27th. Wow. <laughs> I was also 10 pounds and had no <laughs> neck. <laughs> my head was just sitting on my shoulders. Wow, how'd you grow one? Um. Well, science. <laughs> <laughs> good. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Seance. Sorry. Seance. Yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> Better. But the Atari 7800 was being developed at a time when Time Warner still owned Atari in 1984. It was meant to be the follow-up to the Atari 2600 originally, but the Atari 5200 came in as a t- kind of a stopgap. That's what I was going to ask the question. Yeah. Of, so after the 50, after well, the they they, they wanted to get a they really wanted to get a machine out real quick to compete with the with the Intellivision mm. and the upcoming ColecoVision. So okay. what they did with the 5200 was they just took the guts of one of their computers. And slapped it inside a console case and said, "Hey, here's a new console." Hmm. Uh, but the Atari 7800 was originally planned to be that follow-up, and it entered into limited production in 1984. At which point they realized that Atari had lost over a billion dollars. Wow! So Time Warner had wanted nothing to do with it. They could not find. They could not sell it to anybody. Like nobody wanted to. Just, like. It, it was so hard for them to get rid of. They were just so desperate. Uh, Incomes a fellow by the by the name of Jack Tremiel. Jack Tremiel was sort of the king of Commodore back in its earlier days. Right, a billion dollars in eighty six. In eighty uh, four. Holy smoke! They lost a lot of money. That's like two billion dollars now. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, yeah, they lost a uh, so much money, and Time Warner wanted nothing to do with it anymore. 
uh, or Warner Communications. I believe Time Warner was a later thing. Warner Communications wanted it gone. And Jack Tramiel was the man who was willing to buy it. Jack Tramiel was, uh, like I said earlier, he was the king of Commodore. He brought it up from a small typewriter business into a computer juggernaut, but he was also a, a kind of a shady businessman. Mm. A very famous story of him was... That's the best kind of businessman. Yes. And uh, president. He was a Holocaust survivor, actually, oh. Jack Tramiel. Uh, but uh, well, well, a famous story about him with Commodore was... The Commodore 64 uses as its CPU the 6510, which is an offshoot of the 6502. Um, Jack put in a big old order for the 6510 to Moss Technologies, and uh, Jack did not pay them. For oh, it, wow. But he still received the shipment because he agreed to pay them after he received. But he kept ordering more, saying, It's okay, I'll pay you for it later. So they kept making these chips for him and uh eventually they dried up their resources at which point jack tramiel stepped in and just bought moss technologies <laughs> so he was a very ruthless uh almost a villainous businessman but anyway did he, he have a mustache no, he was he was a Dr. Evil-looking guy. Oh, well, it's a yeah. shame. Yeah, there you go. I know, missed opportunity to write. But the degree to the sale of Atari to Jack Tramiel, uh, they gave it to him in piecemeals, like in, in piecemeal chunks. And so when he bought Atari originally, it was, you bought the name Atari. So he tries Ooh. to release the console and go back. It's like, no, 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 you don't own that stock. That stock still belongs to Warner. Gotcha. You have to buy that. So, okay, fine. He buys the stock. You can't release the software for that. That was made by General Computing, and you don't own those contracts. That's owned by Warner. So he has to go back and renegotiate again so he can release those. And like, no, 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 still not yet. You don't have any. You don't. You don't have access to these employees because those employees are still under contracts that are owned by Warner. So he had to renegotiate and renegotiate over and over and over again just so we could get this this system out the door and by the time that happened in 1986 it was much too late mm -hmm. and the system launched with arcade games arcade games you had seen before yeah one of them was asteroids a game by that point was seven years old which was an eternity at that time and i'll be honest as someone who played asteroids after he played super mario world yeah Asteroids sucks. Yeah, comparatively. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I love Asteroids. Right, I really, like I do enjoy that game a lot. But you can't compare that to Super Mario Brothers. Right, right. You're going to lose hard. Yeah, I'm not, that, and that is did. what I mean. Right, that, yes. Like, I'm a child now right. playing, I want to play a system. Yes. It's not going to be that one. No, sir. And the thing is, if it had come out in 1984 like intended, I've, that original lineup of games like Asteroids, like I believe uh, Robotron 2084 was one of the games, that would have been acceptable in 84. I Spit on Your Grave Part 2, the game. Uh-huh, right, yeah. yeah that mm -hmm. was a good... Uh, Role-playing game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, like that would have been acceptable. It was acceptable for the Famicom when it released in 1983 in Japan. Uh, it released with Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. and Popeye. Uh, so even compared to Nintendo, it would have competed and competed well, but it was just too little too late hmm. and i think atari 7800 was the point in that company's history where you can point to yes it was at this point the atari 7800 that 
forever cemented Atari's name as obsolescence in video gaming. I don't think it ever, ever, ever recovered from that. Well, that's I know that's how I always viewed Atari. Like yeah. I viewed it with this like, you know, made up nostalgia. But I'm yeah. looking on top of your uh, beta machine right there, and I see Stampede, my favorite Atari game. Oh yeah, the game's great. But I always viewed it as an old system. Oh like, yeah, there's no chance that's Atari could never even if even as hard as as hard as they tried, Atari could never stand for innovation ever again. No, and I think that. that I think the 7800 is where that starts. Now, did they release Jaguar? Yep, they did. Okay. Yep. So it's not, Jaguar, to say they didn't, it's not to say they didn't have the ability to put a new no. face on or do... They, they at the same... Uh, they were releasing the Atari ST computer, which was a, a 16-bit computer, and it competed favorably with the Commodore Amiga at the time. Okay. I mean, it, it was a capable machine. Very yeah. capable. But... It, I think its image was just tarnished. But basically, from here on out, you could list any Atari console as then a failure, because Jaguar was a failure. Atari Lynx was a failure. Lynx was a failure. The Atari ST ended up being a failure. It was supposed yeah. to be a Panther. That never even got made. No, right. It was a 32-bit console. Yeah. The, the Panther was going to be. Yeah, and so, so, but but I uh, I remember seeing Jaguar at Media Play. Like, yeah. Like, it was coming out and being like, oh, this will be awesome. And I can tell you, sincerely, without ever seeing a Jaguar commercial that I remembered, or without knowing anything about it, I just, something in my brain knew, oh, this is one of those video games where you play, like, those uh, those um, those arcade games where it looks like real people, where, like, I shoot at real people. Yeah. You know those ones? You know, <laughs> I like, think so. Yeah. Like, like, where a guy pops up on the screen yes, and you gotta shoot uh-huh. him, and then there's, like, some babe and you gotta not shoot her. And yeah, then, like, right, right. Camera. Something sure. in my brain when I saw it, that, I was like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Now, I don't know how, if I'm right. Area 51, maybe. That type of stuff. Yeah, those types plant, of things. That so, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right, but that is what, in my head, Atari Jaguar, like, obviously, it was that. Yeah. I, it did have... People often bring up a very. There are very few games you could say were decent on the Atari Jaguar, or at mm-hmm. least people say that are decent. I don't know. Um, I haven't played a lot of Jaguar, but I do remember Alien versus Predator being a big one. I remember hearing Rayman that was successful. Yeah. Oh, Rayman was Ra- on Rayman was on Jag, and um, what was that other one? Tempest Two Thousand. Hmm. It was a very a very fun arcade game. I okay. have played that. That's a very fun arcade game. But other than that, not much. Yeah, there's a very fascinating story behind the Atari 7800 and that time in Atari. Retronauts did a a live podcast that I was able to attend, and they covered that era of Atari. And I do highly recommend you check that out, because one of the guests on that is Marty Goldberg, who is in the midst of writing his second book with Kurt Vandell about the history of Atari. So please check that out. I don't know if that second book is out yet. I don't think it is. But the first book is, and that thing is a tome. It is 800 pages Holy covering uh, covering 1971 to 1979 wow. of Atari. So this guy knows his stuff. So check it out. Oh, he's Listen. making up hundreds of pages of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of time. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of time, a lot of stories to tell. Real ones? I don't know. No, they are real and they're very good. So he's, there's he's a... something and you, so so one thing that I'm wondering and uh, just because now you're talking about processors, you're talking about that type of stuff yeah. and there's a lot of stuff that as I'm, as I'm looking into video games, a lot of problems came in when video games didn't know if they wanted to be computers or if they wanted to be consoles. Oh, yeah. And there were some that didn't even advertise themselves as 
video game systems like the CDI. Yeah. So CDI didn't even try to call itself a video game system. It was a home, what, like home like computing m- system? M- multimedia. Yeah, and so yeah. it was like a learning tool and it was whatever. But then they realized, shoot, the money's in video games. Yeah. So they light, they rented Mario and they rented that, Zelda. That is a epic yarn and, about, and, about how Phillips became entangled with Nintendo. And and so, but it's this, it's so it's this really odd thing where to me the failure came from they weren't a video game and they didn't try to be. And then yeah. they realized too late, like so I think to say that the CDI was a video game failure is is more that it's a failure of that there was there's a failed business practice somewhere along the lines to make a video game console out of something that wasn't a video game console. Yes. I guess would be a more, in, to me, more accurate statement. And so you see yeah. a lot of things coming out at that time, a lot of things in that era, whether they had already released video game consoles or not, that you look at and you say, wow, what are you? Like, yeah. these weird Frankenstein machines. Yeah. And so to call them failures as video game consoles is, is to me, a little bit of a stretch just because... Is it really a video game console? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that... Yes, they did fail at being a video game console. But was that what they were even originally intended to do? Because in the same way, that's like saying, you know, that my my LG NV3 really fails as a video game console because my Flappy Duck just is not... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just not enough. And and where you mentioned the CDI trying to build up to a halfway point between home consoles and computers, you also had companies from the uh, late 80s and the early 90s, taking home computers and scaling them down to be the in-between. So you had things like the Commodore 64 GS, mm-hmm. with the game system. You had the Atari XE GS. Uh, you had, in Britain, this awful thing called the Amstrad... What, what did I call this thing? The What do they call this thing? Amstrad GX 4000, which has a power supply that explodes if you plug it in in the incorrect order wow like it, it is just uh but yeah so there so so a lot of people it was just yeah. it was it, and this is the thing where i said too there's no way we could do a whole do one podcast with all this but but there's way too much material but to me the same thing happened in that era yeah. as happened with handheld devices mm-hmm. handhelds it's hard to tell what was trying to legitimately be a handheld video game system like the game boy Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so you got Game Gear, you got Lynx. What was really trying to be a video game system? And what just was an epic failure as a uh, as as an attempt to make, just to make money off of something? Because mm. there was the Nokia one where you have to take the, the battery N-gage. out. The N-Gage. Yeah. You have to take the battery out. They had the Game.com system, Good which Lord. wasn't that Tiger or was that something separate? Uh, yeah, it was Tiger. And so so you have a lot of these where it's like, we're web browser and we're a phone and you listen to music. And you I remember this. that. And you do, like, but the it number of those came out. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a matter of, yeah, it failed as a video game system. But it's because it wasn't trying to... Ju- it was trying to, to push the boundaries. It was trying to be a smartphone before smartphones existed. Yeah. Because no one's going to look at a smartphone and say, like, oh, my video game system. No, yeah. it's it's a smartphone. You just yeah. play games on yeah. it. And so I kind of feel the same way about a lot of that stuff. So the CDI, was it a video game failure? Yeah. But because it wasn't really a video game no. system. In fact, I would say that probably its most analogous modern-day counterpart would probably be, like, a Roku box. Okay. That's the CDI today. That's fair. You can play games on it. It's not recommended for it, but you can. Yeah. But they it's mostly exist. just for, you know, delivering media to you. Right, right. And some of that media is games. Yeah. And some of it it's, is music. I mean, some of it's movies. But, but it is, I mean, my when we bought our first computer, it came with the Adventures of Hyperman. 
It was just a, no it was a, just about. a fun educational point and click. Okay. Okay. And sure. I enjoyed it. I really liked playing it as a kid. But that was one of the things you could do on it. I also typed up my third grade report on the blue-footed booby. (laughs) Good. So that was another thing to do with the computer. So when you get into the era of computers, I think now is where you got to draw the line and say, no, we're just going to talk about systems that are systems. Because on the other end of that spectrum, you have failures like the Apple Pippin. Right, which where, who even knows? They, I, I did not research that. Did well, you? They, uh, here's my understanding. I didn't yeah. research it, but I, I had heard of it before you came up with the topic. Yeah. And what I basically heard was Apple Pippin tried to push in the other direction. They they thought, okay, a lot of people think that what's happening is, um, is that these video game consoles are going to be these self-contained things that... Uh, you know, you switch out the cartridge, whatever else. Well, we think that, like, the computer's going to be the big thing and that your TV screen's really just going to be your giant computer monitor and everything's mm-hmm. going to run through that and it's all going to be... So So why don't we Web just make TV. a... Th- yeah, so, so, right, that type of idea. Yeah. So why don't we just make... I mean, I'm sure I'm poorly describing this concept. No, no, I, no, I follow. But, but the idea was, well, why don't we just make it where the TV screen is now just your computer monitor? So again, basically a smart TV, but yeah. where one of the channels is a word processor. And one right. of the channels is games, and one of the channels is this, and that, and that's my understanding of what they tried to do, yeah. and and people just didn't want that. I mean, you see this time and time again with all sorts of tech, where the i where the tech available hasn't yet caught up to mm-hmm. the ideas that people have. Yeah, you see that with like what we're talking about, you know, in terms of a smart TV or a smartphone, like the N gauge. You look at that in terms of like early prototypes for typewriters. You know, have you ever seen the earliest t- prototype where it just looks like a big steel bubble over top of a rotating drum of paper? No. Oh, you got to look that up. It's it's weird. Neat. It's real weird. Uh, it doesn't work very well because you can't see what you're typing. Fair enough. And the letters are all in alphabetical order. Oh, well, but there's it, the real problem. Yeah, that's a big Thanks, problem. Thanks, QWERTY. Yeah, right. Uh, you see that with home video, uh, the Avco. What do they call that thing? The Cartridge Vision, where it is a home video eight track thing. Oh, from the weird! Early, from the early, it, I mean, it, it, it's it has its tape on a continuous loop like an eight. And I mean, and if you're if if but what you want to see, there, you if know? in general you just want to see the idea of. In, and we've mentioned this before, interesting technologies that just didn't work for one reason or another. Some of them were great, and they just didn't pick up. Some are have legitimate problems, but Techmoan, mm-hmm. the YouTube channel Techmoan. It's, a, it's an amazing I mean, YouTube channel. Sometimes he just talks about things that make bacon, but most yeah. of his most of his <laughs> right. videos are about uh, are, are really interesting videos about the history of failed technologies. So yes. I would I would advise watch anything by him. But yeah, but the, the, the Teffy Fund man, the Teffy Fund, the, the Teffy Fund just blows my mind. So we so 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 I, I mentioned Apple Pippin to say um, that again to me. That's not a video game system failure. What that is is an attempt to create something new and different. In the same way that the Magnavox Odyssey was, we said at the beginning, mm-hmm. is it really a failure? No, it was just no the way. only thing like it. Yeah. Apple Pippin was anything you have now. But in a time where you couldn't have it. It's like those yeah. inventions Nikolai Tesla came up with. He's like, well, yeah. if technology. Right, yeah. If, or or yeah. even Leonardo da Vinci, you know, yeah, which right. is like his flying screw. You're just yeah. like, well, no. <laughs> but I'm glad you I'm glad you're thinking that direction. So that's so that's how I feel about that one. So 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 let's get back to like real systems that really did fail though. Okay. Um well, because where, where there's some winners that? and and let's go on to my favorite uh, my favorite form of media, my favorite medium for oh, media. I like we're going with this. Uh, but made into a new format, and that is VHS tape yes. video games. Yes. 
Which, why not, right? Now, I know sure. about the Action Max, but Nate, you mm-hmm. know about another one. And the reason I know about Action Max is because I was at, um, I was at a, it wasn't even a Goodwill, but just like a, a wholesale place, and they had the the rescue of Pops Ghostly. Yeah, that's it. Rescue of Pops Ghostly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, the rescue of Pops Ghostly on VHS, and I was like, what is <laughs> What a this? name. <laughs> and so I started doing the research, and lo and behold, Essentially, it was it, they released five games for this system, mm-hmm. all of which were the laser guns, the light gun games. Yeah, well, that's all it could do. That's all it could do. And yeah. and but I guess you don't even need the VHS tapes now. You could you could play um, a DVD of it. You could do whatever because the VHS didn't yeah. matter. What mattered was you put a little thing on the bottom of your screen, like a mm. little red circle, and then it essentially treated like a light gun to the point. That you can actually make your own VHS tapes yes. for it. Very Like, you easily. could have ones with your friends where you're just shooting at them. But the problem is, it is a continuous VHS loop. And yeah. if you've ever played a VHS board game, which some of you might have played, there was a Gargoyles one, there's a, I think there's oh, a sure. Goosebumps one, There's lots like that. of one. There's a great yeah. community episode making fun of them. And so, and so the thing is, like, there is a, we had a Kool-Aid one, came free for Kool-Aid, and oh, you had boy. to do a thing where you put your finger on the screen, and then something yeah. disappeared, and you, you know. Um, and, and so that's fun, but, but it doesn't ever change. No. And so you always know the results you always know what comes next you can plan ahead and mm-hmm. so essentially these action max games were just a point and shoot game where nothing ever changed and therefore it was really just a matter of scoring as many points as possible yeah um and and that was kept on a little led readout yeah on the machine yeah and so so you plugged this into your vc no, you didn't yeah you plugged this into your vcr mm-hmm. and your vcr in your tv and and it was just so so here's the thing though the we had the Zelda crossbow training. Yeah. Okay. Most of the level, some of them you run, you ran around actively first person shooter, but a lot of them, the screen moved you space to space. Mm-hmm. The images never changed, and so I have one level that I can score like a bajillion. I don't know how many points, but like I can score as many points as you need to beat the whole game. Yeah. In one level of that, because <laughs> nothing ever changes, and yeah. I have fun doing that. Like sure. I actually enjoy. The idea of challenging myself to do it faster or to get that mm. extra five points or whatever. So to somebody like me, that Action Max VHS system, I'd be fine with that. Because, yeah, it's the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. But then I memorize it and I do practice yeah. shooting this. The problem is it's not that fast. It's no. not Zelda crossbow training where I have to shoot 22 things in eight seconds. Right. It's shoot, wait, shoot. Wait. Yes. And that's where the predicament comes in, is the technology hadn't caught up to that point yet. Yes. Except it kind of did with the Viewmaster Interactive Vision, <laughs> which was another VHS-based system. It has the funkiest-looking controller I've ever seen, the most 90s controller I've ever seen, with these big, colorful, almost pastel buttons, mm. and which are on a stick, and then it has a little circle, and then the joystick is on it, so you... I, I, I mean, it's pointless for me to, to gesture it because yeah, he was doing it to me, and I yeah. just made a face. Yeah, like, 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 why are you doing that? Stop! I, I can't uh, see. But, uh, <laughs> but what what this did was so I, I'm unsure of how the quote unquote game loaded into the Action Max. I don't think it really did. No, in Action Max, no, there was no, no there was yeah, no there was loading. no loading, and that's why you can make your own, right? Because it's just right. based on a set of parameters, basically. Whereas the Viewmaster Interactive Vision had the capability of overlaying uh, computer graphics on top of the tape and could be told when to do that and mm. why to do that. Uh, so 
like for instance you would have something called like uh it was called like the disney cartoon arcade and of course the tape is linear but it would go through different games that 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 you could play and they would have like a video background like there's one of like goofy shoveling coal and while you're doing that and while he's shoveling it has an animation loop of him shoveling coal it has little computer graphics of a dude shoveling coal into a, a furnace and then at the end it'll tell you what your score was for that segment but another thing that it was capable of doing was it was able to split vhs audio into two separate tracks that it could access one of these and drew i don't know how you're going to feel when i tell you this um there were two muppets games what for this how do i not done, own this already done by the jim henson company oh my god and uh, uh, two jim henson tapes and i believe there were a few sesame street ones wow so I'm this had find this full boy. cooperation with the jim henson company i'm getting it i'm gonna buy one uh, on ebay tonight and so they would do segments where like you would play a certain game and depending on how you played Fozzie could tell the jokes well or he could tell them poorly and the visual was still Man. the same, but it was moved in such a way that, you know, you could play either audio track and have that be the result. So it was it was very interesting. It's certainly much more ambitious than the Action Max was. It's a fascinating thing to look into, really. Look, yeah. at, There are YouTube videos uh, online. That, well, that I think I was going to buy one of those Muppets. Uh, yeah, there are Muppets. I mean, I just watched Hey Cinderella by the Jim Henson. Oh, wow, did you really? Yeah. Is so, that good? Yeah, I mean, it was... Was that the seventies one? Yeah, yeah it's, right? it's, it was. It was really interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say good in the sense of like you know what people like the Great Santa I, Claus. Switch. I, I don't want to say it's good because yeah. then someone's gonna watch and be like, really, this was good. But to yeah. me, as someone who appreciates the Muppets, yes, it's a really different style of humor. It's their dry and wry style from yeah. the TV series. Yeah, but in a full length movie. Yeah, geared to children. So yeah. it's really interesting. It's the same thing as Great Santa Claus, yeah, which was like a that weird for me. Hybrid it's like, like you know, that. I, I couldn't recommend this as entertainment to a lot of people mm. but i find it fascinating yeah, but i'm glad i saw it right yeah. right so exactly. it's, it's very much in that same vein but yeah there's 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 so much muppet stuff that mm. you didn't even know it existed until i just told man. you that's a rare privilege to get to do I with am, this man i'm in <laughs> buying one yeah do do also look up the system it looks it i mean i don't know if for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term the memphis art style a Memphis art style was something developed in uh, Italy. It actually, is but saved by the bell. It is saved by the bell. That's <laughs> what it is. It is the '90s personified. This machine is Memphis. Like Man. it is so Memphis. Looking. I'm picturing a pocket rocker right now. A pocket rocker. Yeah, it was a great little thing. I think it was. It was. It was metal. It was metal, okay. and it was basically just. It was wearable cassette tapes. They were miniature, like one inch by one inch cassette tapes. Oh, and okay. Then you're, and then and then you just. Oh, Techmo just did a video on it. Did, did he really? I think so, yeah. Oh, nice. I'll and, and, it's out. covered in that Memphis graphic style, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One did. of them was. There was yeah. a white one with the Memphis style. And yes. there was a, I had I had a black yeah. and blue one. But, but do look up. If you just Google Memphis art style, you'd be like, oh, Nickelodeon. Right. Got yep. it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. Very good. So so, so that was a – so, but the, so yeah, it was a failure. That was a flop mm-hmm. because it was so limited in what you could do with it. I mean, yeah. there was no uh, – there was no Action Max, you could really only do shooter games. 
Yeah. And so it was a waste of money. It was a bad, like, it was just a bad decision. You yeah. tried to take a popular technology. So unlike where I look at the, the computer ones and say, mm-hmm. was it really a flop? Uh, they weren't, that was one of the many things they did. A, a creative misstep. Yeah, this one I say, this one I say, no, that was the only thing it did. Yeah, right. You made a conscious decision to have a system that could only do this. You done failed. Yeah, right. So, as a man who loves VHS tapes, VHS this is a half games, thought out concept. You are a failure. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. But I will check out the Muppet one and see. Yeah, maybe I'll feel no, different. Uh, yeah, the, do check out the interactive vision. It's a lot more ambitious. Uh, so. Not as ambitious as the laser active, but that's a whole other can of, can well, of beans. Well, now it's time to fast forward to the 90s. Okay, let's and fast, fast forward. forward. I mean, that's only a couple of years from where we've left. Right, right, right. But this, this is probably where, we're, where we'll wrap up here. Yeah. And then, well, I do want to end with, with what an interesting story of what I call a failure. Okay. Growing out of a success. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. I had a hibiscus plant on the back porch all winter long. Lived, 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 lived. Seasons changed and it totally died. What? I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of the story that I'm going to tell you, but in a video game system. Okay, great. So let's hit the 90s. All right. What a decade. What a decade. Bill so, Clinton, NAFTA. Well, I guess we were already in that with the CDI and that. Because those mm-hmm. were, that was... That was early the, 90s. Yeah, that was early 90s. And and, and the one that, that, that came up in my mind was TurboGrafx. Yeah. Which... Just wasn't popular here, but it was popular overseas. Oh, it was it yeah. was very sustainable. And I think is that the one that people really like the racing games on here? I think that's the one where they really laud the racing games. I have no idea. It I know, was, I know I they love the shooter games. I was on reading there. some like IGN or somebody ranked it as like the thirteenth best system. I believe it. And I think it's because of the race car games, like that nothing else had really come out like that. Huh. I believe that's the case. So so there's some like that. That they're they're they might be failures yeah. in our market. But they yeah. are, and there's yeah. there's there's Japan a lot took, of stuff like Japan that. took quite well to the Turbo Graphics, yeah, or PC and, uh, Engine, and, and the big thing that didn't go over well here, as far as I understand, was lack of third party content, yeah, which people just I guess expected in their games. It also came out pretty late. Oh, okay. I think it came out like 1990, where at that point the Genesis had kind of already stolen all its thunder. Gotcha. And then Nintendo came out with the Super Nintendo, and it was all over. But then the other one was the 3DO, mm-hmm. which sounds to me that it's more. Uh, that it's more of an issue of the fact that the market was already just oversaturated by other systems. I think so, and that and the price point at which it launched. Oh, and was, stayed and stayed. It was like seven hundred dollars, wasn't it? It it barely went down. Now there was a it guy. There down. was a guy like ten blocks from here, from where we are recording right now, who oh, had really? a three do for sale at an estate sale. The one that we went to. Oh, really? He had a three do. Yeah. Amongst other things. Now I don't know what they would have sold it for because they, you know, some yeah. stuff was a steal, some was not. But there, he's a video game collector. And I had never even... That was the first time I ever saw one, In meaning when I looked at the pictures of the estate sale to see is it worth going and, and looking mm-hmm. through his stuff, I was like, I thought it was actually a prototype of the Nintendo 64 oh, DD. Yeah. Because it's that same shape. Right, yeah. So I'd never it even is. heard of a 3DO. I didn't know what it was. And so that led me into doing the research on that. And it sounds like, as far as I understand it, the graphics look really good because they're... Bye, a... Oh, is it now? Sorry about that. My son just bur- just uh, wants in. I'm going to say goodnight to him real fast. Eddie, what do you want to say on Daddy's podcast? I say booty booty. Booty 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 booty. Okay, great. But anyway, sorry. Talk about oh, yeah, yeah. About so, 3DO. So 3DO, uh, it seems to me that the biggest draw was the graphics, right? That it just... Yeah, it had, it had superior graphics for the time. I think... 
93 is when it came out. And, okay. and at that time, it was, uh, yeah, it was But it wasn't, I, as far as I understand console. it, like, there was nothing. I, I think about, see, when I think about, like, because uh, that would have been around the same era as the Super Nintendo, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think about the level in the Super Mario world where you punch the gate when you're yes. climbing and you flip to the other side. Uh-huh. I mean, okay, graphic schmafics, like, that looks sweet. Yeah. And it was a really cool feature. Yeah. I don't picture paying $700 for a machine to do cooler things than that for me. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, it looked better when I did it. Yeah. All right. right. Like, there's no... I was I and, was super and, and, happy to get Super Nintendo. I got it for Christmas. Um, got it for Christmas would have been a couple years... Maybe the year after it came out. Yeah. And I was stoked. Like, yeah. That was so exciting. And my parents had got me a 3DO and it didn't have Mario on it. I yeah. was like... Okay, but I guess that does also say something about like an adult video game market was coming to Which fruition. I think that's what they were trying to tap into. Must have been because because you already had a lot of kid games, and I can't think of any 3DO kid games. So there probably were, and and I mean, at I mean, that it, price it, point, even, you're buying it for yourself. I mean, even their character platformer game was Gex, and he just shot uh, quips out the whole time. Yeah. thank you, Danny Gould. Yeah, so know? so it's so it's got to be that they marketed that for an older audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point. Uh, they did a very interesting thing with the 3DO, which the, very, very few consoles have, have done this. But th- they licensed the technology out to different manufacturers. Oh. So Panasonic made a 3DO. Mm-hmm. Gold Star made a 3DO. Oh, I thought Panasonic was the only 3DO maker. No. Uh, Panasonic made made a couple different models. Uh, interesting. I think Sanyo made a model And yet they two. were all still 700 bucks. Oh, yeah. They were all <laughs> still very expensive. Which is funny because, uh, well, anyway, there, there's a... VHS story in there, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, but yeah, 3DO, there's really not... I mean, it has some games that are allotted. I believe one of them is uh, Cra- Crash and Burn? Is that one? I think it's a racing game. Okay. Another one is it has a... It, if you're a fighting fan, it has a very good version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Mm-hmm. That's it's very very lauded. And see, this is this is a hard thing to me. Okay, you've got Alien vs Predator on Jaguar, a good game. Yeah. Crash and Burn on 3DO, a good game. I am not a person who believes in doing illegal thing things in general mm-hmm. or in specific or at all. Yeah, you're but lawful good. I am lawful good, but yeah. uh, or I am lawful rude, perhaps. <laughs> but I am a person who looks at that and says, the companies that put the time and the effort, the labor and the work into this. Make no money off of me buying it at a garage sale for eight hundred no. bucks. So if there's one good game, download an emulator. Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? Like, like the Honestly, and, and and take the guy who took the time to make an emulator of it so that I could play it. Give him five bucks. Yeah, right. Like he's the only one putting the work into it now. You know, and that's, he's doing preservation work. Yeah, because Lord knows the holding company that has all these three DO rights and stuff like that mm-hmm. aren't doing anything for these. Yeah, and so that's something to me where like emulation I'm, is preservation. I never, work. I never encourage uh, illegal activity, mm-hmm. but that's something to me where like when you're telling me a system has a couple good games. Don't buy that machine unless you're just a collector who likes having it around because you think it's neat and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, or it looks but if, cool. But if I mean, you're not gonna if you're not gonna play all those games, one. just get the yeah. stinking emulator and play Bash and Crash or Smash and Flash, whatever, whatever. it's called, <laughs> Crash and Burn, Crash and Burn. That's it. But yeah, there's not. I I feel like we should probably end this on the big elephant. Usually, whenever someone oh. says failed video game system this is the first one to come to mind oh my okay well wait can i ask you about a system that i forgot oh yeah go ahead about um that uh oh yeah oh yeah 
Ooh, yeah. Does that still exist? Uh, I believe it's discontinued. Okay. But yeah. that was, I mean, that was a great concept that I just don't think took off. So that no. falls in that same category of like just creator, you know, you're not waiting for games to come out constantly. You can download them, whatever people make them. Yeah. But then smartphone technology came out and the Apple Store and you download Clash of Clans and it yeah. takes 15 seconds to download it. You don't need a special system. No, and you don't need... it got outpaced. Yeah. Very so it was, it was, a, it was a great concept. Yeah. That that did, outpaced is exactly the right. Term. Almost like the studio too, if you think back to well, it earlier in the con- earlier in the conversation. There you go, and, and I think that will that will quickly. always happen. Yeah, that will always happen. Mm-hmm. So let's go to now. Now this elephant in the room is mm. quite the elephant indeed. Yes, it is a large beast. It is a large and, red beast. And uh, oh, oh, a red beast. Oh wait, no. Are you talking about something else? I'm talking about the laser active, <gasps> the pioneer. Laser active, ladies and gentlemen, a laser disc based video game. Yeah, system. well, and the thing about this to me is here. Here's the the thing with this is the problem with it was how expensive it was overall. So you expensive. could play Sega games on it, but it was a special machine you or a special component. They you called buy. it like a they called like a pack or something. My my first computer yeah. that we got those free computers from college, and, and yours probably did the same thing where you could pull out the CD drive and put in a floppy drive and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that. Uh-huh. So IBM had the ThinkPads where you could interchange it. You could interchange. You could put in a Sega pack, you can put in a Nintendo pack, you can play a lot of stuff, but it would doesn't cost you a like twelve hundred bucks to get all that stuff. A karaoke pack, yeah, you, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. So it was a, actually it was a it was a wonderful concept. Uh-huh. If it we lived in a world where everyone just moved into a house that had a Pioneer like laser active and yeah. then you just bought oh i want the nintendo pack so i'll buy it for myself oh i right. bought the you know so if, if finding your laser actives were free for being born and then you bought what you wanted for it well that'd yeah. be a cool thing and i will tell you this too is it had give away the razor sell the blades the, yeah. That, yeah, yeah yeah basically it, it had beautiful visuals on some of the games like when i watch some of the certain games gameplay certain racing yeah. games or like some of the space shooters and i believe that's the one that had the closest to an arcade version of dragon layer dragon's lair yeah i think that had the closest at the time one. i'm certain yeah cdi it. had one that was far off and uh and and but but so so there yeah. is there is a beauty to the system to me yeah but it certainly was a flop just because it was so expensive you yeah. couldn't enjoy it i mean yeah. that's really what it boils down to yeah I mean, a lot of the games too were were thinking i think you had to have now there were another thing too is the the games that came out for it that these specific laser active games mm-hmm. right the ones that you bought the laser discs for yeah um they were split across two of the packs. So some games were some of the Laserdisc games were only compatible with the Genesis pack. Oh. And some of the games were only some of the Laserdisc games were only compatible with the PC Engine so pack. You, oh man. So that so so things. you couldn't even own that one system wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, in order uh, to play it, you had to buy. And then that's something, and we talked about this uh, during the break, so it won't show up in the recording. Mm-hmm. We talked about that issue in general, and that'll probably, you know, be another fun Splitting podcast your user later. Base. Is, well, no, 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 the idea of, of having things where you needed to have this specific piece of equipment in mm-hmm. order to run this game. Yeah. Donkey Kong had that game where you needed the bongos. Yeah. DJ Hero, you need the turntable. Now, all that came with it, but I bought a Super Nintendo game once at, a, at Toys R Us for like $3 in a bargain bin, mm-hmm. and I had to return it. I got in the parking lot, I'm reading it, and I said, oh, mom, I have to go back and return this because you needed the bazooka for it. Oh, the super scope. And I didn't have that for yeah. it. So, so because of it, like, so there are things like that, and I guess mm-hmm. Laser Active that 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 that's a that's the best example of it's not just a peripheral 
Yeah. The system itself, you had to buy all the component parts. It it was I, I it must have just been something that rich people used to show off their wealth. Yeah. There's no there's no practical ownership right. of it. I would like to own it now just because I think conceptually it is what the perfect gaming system would be to me. One yeah. system where you just plug parts in. Cha- interchange things. Yeah, I mean like that's that's really cool. Yeah. I mean I I love it just because I love laser discs mm-hmm. and I love that medium yeah. of uh, I love that, that that form of media. But I just even on and the collector's market, I cannot justify those wasn't prices. Wasn't Pioneer? Weren't they also the ones who tried to make the game that that did audio commands, or was audio it somebody commands. else? There was there was a, a system in development for these really complex like uh, RPG battle games mm. where you just wore a microphone and you spoke and it it understood what you said and it. Huh. Well, I don't it, know. it never I'm it never went to market, but yeah. anyways, I think Pioneer was the ones inventing that as well. I could believe that. So, Pioneer, so what were you talking about? I was talking about the other, the red elephant in the, the room. I was elephant. talking about Virtual Boy. Oh my goodness, Virtual I, Boy. Well, you know what's hard with that is that yeah. like that kind of seems like a it's it almost seems like a handheld, even though it's not. That's or that's one it? of the, the the points of its failure is like you look at that thing and it's like, is this supposed to be portable Gosh. or? Is it not? And then you see there's a uh, there's an angry video game nerd episode he did on the uh, on the Virtual Boy expressing that you know is this thing a portable? Is this a home console? Mm-hmm. And he shows that by literally duct taping it to his head <laughs> to show you how dumb this is to think of it as portable. So it has to be homebound. Yeah. But that isn't readily that that isn't rel- uh, readily evident. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I think is the biggest... So I remember Hills going out of business and yeah. having Virtual Boys, like 10 of them still for sale. Yeah. And it, like everything was... I remember they had, and they had the Silicon Valley uh, Nintendo 64 game. So oh, I don't oh, know oh, oh, I don't yeah. know when Virtual Boy came out, but they had Space that. Space Station Silicon Valley. They had Space Station Silicon Valley and, and that was actually a pretty good game, truth yeah. be told. And they had... Um, they had a Virtual Boy. They had both of those things for sale at the same time in, uh, in wow. a Hills. Because they just couldn't get rid of the stock. Yeah, it yeah. just wasn't moving. Now, the thing to me, I've never played one. Okay. Never played one at all. Um, my mother actually wouldn't let me play one. <laughs> she thought it would ruin because your Because she eyes. thought it was bad for my eyes, yeah. It, it gives me a headache after I play it for about 15 and 20 minutes. It doesn't give me a headache. It just makes my makes me want to rub my eyes, mm-hmm. you know? It, it doesn't feel good to play it. Oh, did, and and here's the real question. Because another thing like that, um, another thing like that came out as a little handheld. It went over one eye. Uh, the R zone. R zone. That okay. was the R zone. And so and which, so, which which did come out because of the hype for the Virtual Boy. Well, and Tiger so, and, said, "Let's do this." Well, to beat and I them. can understand. I can understand small upstart companies coming up with new ideas and new inventions in order to try to corner the market. Mm-hmm. I get that totally, but I am baffled. At Nintendo, of all companies, making the Virtual yeah. Boy, like that, the company that's the thing that, that had makes the it... best handheld system, and still to this day, as no one, no one's going to argue that the Nintendo Nintendo doesn't make the best handheld system oh, by far. You know, yeah. and and then they have my favorite system, the N sixty four. They had one of the largest catalogs at the time. Just historically, in terms of Nintendo, in terms mm-hmm. of Super Nintendo, in terms of N six, you know, and and yeah. and and just or in terms of Game Boy, because N sixty four is coming later. Uh, and when I say historically, I mean not any one system. When you look at yeah. all their systems overall collectively, yeah. 
How did they manage to botch so bad? I don't know. I think that's the thing that makes it stick out in people's minds when they think of console failures because Nintendo otherwise had a very good track record. Even Nintendo's lesser performing platforms still did okay. What were their lesser performing platforms? uh, N64 didn't quite get... Well, just wasn't able to beat the PlayStation. PlayStation Um, GameCube kind of fell in the third place with the PS2 and the Xbox, but it didn't Mm -hmm. fail. No, they were fun games. It it didn't capture the zeitgeist like we expect Nintendo to do. And I would even say that's true of the Wii and the Wii U to come after it. Yeah. Switch is the first system that really seems to have re-sparked people's interest. Since the first couple years of Wii. But they weren't the... I mean, how many games were even released for Virtual Boy? 21? Yeah, at best, right? That's... One of which is Nestor's Funky Bowling. Oh, my. Do you remember... Did you ever read Nintendo Power growing up? Yeah. Do you remember the Nestor comic strips no. that were in there? Well, they had a character named Nestor who was a brash, uh, overconfident little boy oh who, who would always be like, I know exactly what I'm doing in this Nintendo game. And then Howard, who was based off of Howard Phillips, who was an NES cons- uh, one of the big nin- Nintendo bigwigs at the time. Um... But uh, he would be the one to say, like, "Oh, Nestor, you know, you might, you know, you might want to be careful before you go into this uh, lava room or whatever." And you know, Nestor's overconfidence will get the better of him. Anyway, he got a video game on the Virtual Boy. It's the only time he ever got a video game. It's on the ill-fated Virtual Boy. I hope he shows up in one of the Super Smash Brothers. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I would love that. Uh, we actually did have a Virtual Boy. We bought one at the 2002 Philly Classic in philadelphia it was the first video game convention i ever went to and my brother bought a virtual boy for 25 dollars it didn't have the little black piece there's a little black piece that goes around your eyes in order yeah, to block out the lights that. so the 3d works yeah. we didn't have that uh it, that's why uh, my brother was able to get it for a cheap price he okay. picked up a few games like what was called v tetris wario land um but was it like was it 3d in any way or was it oh just... it was absolutely 3d because okay. it has two planes of vision that, okay. that you could even change because i'm just picturing i'm just picturing like mm-hmm. i'm just staring in a screen at red lines for no reason uh no i, I mean but they were all red right it was it was, it was all red it was red and black varying shades of of this of this red uh, but it did have, I mean, it had two planes, so you could mm-hmm. th- see through, so you could see, there was real depth, yeah. honest to God depth. But, uh, so what my dad did, because we didn't have that black uh, visor to go around it, my dad uh, bought felt at Joanne Fabrics and made one for us. Good so man. He, he bought foam and he and he was able to cut it in such a way so it would fit on the machine. I can't believe he did that looking back at it now. I'm just like, well, here's the thing. That is, if I'm Nintendo, that is a, what a dedicated father. That's good. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah. That's a, hey, otherwise yeah. you never would have gotten to play that virtual board. Yeah, no, we wouldn't have. Thanks, well, Mark well, Lockhart. You, you know what we did, actually, when we first got it? I remember playing it in the hotel room. And in order to block out the light, uh, my brother played with it with a towel over his head. <laughs> so it would block out the light so he could see through it. That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, if I'm Nintendo, I understand mm-hmm. wanting to make that, to say we have the technology we can. Yeah. I don't understand hyping it. I understand just having made it yeah. and just showing, like, look, we made this. Gunpei Yokoi, we did it. who was the guy who really uh, spearheaded the Virtual Boy, he was someone who did a lot of innovative work with Nintendo. 
he came up with uh, its initial Duck Hunt toy. When I say Duck Hunt toy, I don't mean the NES game. I mean it was a game that would project a duck that would fly around a wall and you could shoot it with a little electric light gun. Um, he would come up with that. He would come up with ways to... The, the, all these inventive little toys was what he was good at. Another thing he did was, another light gun adjacent thing, is he came up with a uh, target shooting game that had a framed picture of a jungle that there were little LED lights or little lights throughout that you could you hmm. lit them up and you'd shoot them. Uh, so he was always sort of pushing this kind of innovation. He was also the one who spearheaded the Game Boy. And uh, his his philosophy with the Game Boy was it doesn't need to be amazing like the Game Gear or, well, the Game Gear wasn't out at the time. It doesn't need to be amazing like the Atari Lynx. It just needs to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And it was good enough. It was very inexpensive. Yeah. You could understand what was going on, on the screen and it was playable. The Game Boy was good enough and it sold it's uh it's it's sold like gangbusters. And I don't remember the cartridges being overly expensive because I could afford them as a kid. No, like twenty twenty bucks for Game Boy, yeah. twenty to thirty dollars. Very very way. inexpensive for the for the time. Uh and Gunpoi Gunpei Yokoi really pushed for this and it it didn't pan out for him. He he was he was wrong about the direction. Mm. It, it did not capture the zeitgeist. It, it didn't push things forward. And his stature kind of fell at Nintendo to the point where he just quit. And then later on joined Bandai to make the Wonder Swan. Wonder which Swan. was even more good enough <laughs> than uh, than even the Game Boy. It, it, it could run... The Wonder Swan runs off of one AA battery. Ooh, I like That's that. That's amazing that yeah, he made that happen. Game Boy was four. Yeah, it was four. And it's incredible that he pulled that off. That's cool. Um, unfortunately, he uh, was struck on a highway in 1997 and died. Uh, it's a very tragic story, that of Gunpei Yokoi. But, uh, he did not fascinating make Frogger, man. did he? No. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> well, over 20 years have passed, I guess. We could make that joke. <laughs> but, uh... but uh, no, he's a fascinating man. Uh, look up his work. He did a lot of cool, very creative stuff, especially if you like toys. He... He, he he was very inventive with with toys, so cool. I encourage you to look up the, the life of Gunpei Yokoi. That's no, a sad note. Sad That's note. a sad note. So I'm gonna I want to talk about just yeah. just one quick thing, and then the, the interesting one to me. Okay, and then use it if you want, cut it if mm-hmm. you want to. Sure, doesn't matter. So I, I do hope we talk about this again from things like uh, I see over here, Sonic and Knuckles, right? Oh yeah, Is we can totally talk about that. Plug the game into the top of the game, yes. and the, so just there's neat things like that that are out there. There's one N64 game where you can plug your phone line into it and play against someone else. It's only a Japanese game, but it, like it exists. So there's yeah. neat. There are neat things that. Um, it's not that they were a failure. It's just that they didn't ever reuse the concept. No. Right? There's only one N64 game with a real-world clock, and that's um, Animal Crossing. Yep. And that, that's Oh, no, it. that's uh, GameCube. Or, I'm sorry, well, it got released for GameCube. It was released in Japan as Animal... Something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so things like that. So you have these... And sometimes there's really innovative stuff that lasts for... I don't know, a game, the Pokemon yeah. Stadium uh, transfer pack, the GameCube thing where you hook up the Game Boy Advance to the bottom of it and then play For Legend of Zelda Swords. Four Swords Adventure. You know, so there, there are neat things that there, we should probably um, visit. There's another one, too. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie 2 was originally supposed oh, to have a feature where you would hot swap yeah, the cartridges. Yeah, hot swap cartridges, yep. right. And they didn't do it because they thought, well, you could fry some of the chips if you do that. Yeah, well, and so, there's, so there's, there is really cool stuff that I'd like to explore that. But here's what I want to end on. 
again, a system that is in no way, shape, or form a failure, but then they did a bad thing. Okay. The Neo Geo. Mm. Neo Geo, as a cartridge system, existed for 14 years. Yes. They were making Neo Geo cartridges until 2004. Yep. It was definitely a high-end market item by comparison to what else was available at the time. Not yes. so much that it blocked you out like a laser active, mm. but... It was definitely high-end. It had two boards instead of one in the cartridges, just because extra content. But if you watch even just video of the gameplay, it's gorgeous. It's the ultimate it's, 2D machine. It, it is a beautiful, beautiful 2D machine. It looks really nice, and and it's well-loved by the fans. Mm-hmm. It's got quality in the games. Now, you're not talking, as far as I understand, a lot of really in-depth storytelling. No. But fighting games, it was the top-rated machine for fighting games. Yeah, it's it's arcade style. Yeah, yeah. Games, there mostly. there were some that were that were a little more RPG, but it is primarily arcade, and mm-hmm. and and it was just really well respected and well loved by the people who liked it. Mm-hmm. But cartridges got expensive, so what yes. did they do? They decided, well, let's re-release it as a Neo Geo CD. Mm-hmm. Let's just do CD versions; they're cheaper. And so they could bring down the price of the machine a little bit, and they could definitely bring down the price of games. Problem is, the load time on the CDs took forever. It's single speed. Yes. And so because of it, your initial load on the game was well over a minute. Mm -hmm. And then you loaded between levels, you loaded between portions, et cetera, et cetera. And so it just drove people crazy. They didn't want the CD version. So, And almost all of the CD games were just ports of the cartridge games Mm -hmm. there was almost no new cd games so a system that had been going strong for 14 years and could continue to go strong with the dedicated fan base they weren't going to draw new people in but they could keep Mm -hmm. making cartridges and those people keep buying them decided to do something different and it shot them in the foot Mm -hmm. and so they said okay well what about you know 3d is happening let's do some 3d and it flopped again. They mm-hmm. didn't release a home console version of their 3D games, but they made arcade ones. Mm. And again, it just didn't work. People didn't like it. I don't remember why in that case, but a couple of them did get ported to PlayStation, a couple of their fighting games. Mm. But when you look at them, the quality is awful compared to even some other basic. I think about Spyro the Dragon as a pretty mm. good standard PlayStation-looking game. Sure. And they're nothing compared to that. And they're especially Mm -hmm. nothing compared to their own 2D games. And it's just a side-scrolling fighting game. It's not like the 3D matters. Mm -hmm. So why are you even bothering? And so the little bit of traction they gained again was in their handheld systems. They took... The pocket and the pocket color. Yeah, yeah, the pocket and pocket color. They took fan-favorite games and added sequels. They made it a little more accessible financially for people, and they did gain some ground again with Neo Geo Pocket and Neo Geo Pocket Color. Mm -hmm. But that, to me, is an example of a far from failure of a system. It was expensive, so it didn't get a lot of people purchasing it. But it was Mm -hmm. a well-respected, well-loved system that decided good enough was not good enough right and it killed them it yeah. ruined this it ruined mm-hmm. the, the company i mean the, the company's it's a shell of itself yeah if it even still exists i don't know that it does it might yeah it, it might have know. all been sold off to, to different yep parties so but, but uh, there you go the neo as my wife would say don't wolf it up we had a t-shirt that had a wolf <laughs> but the wolf was scary <laughs> and so I was going to get rid of it. She said, "We'll just make it not scary." So I painted over its teeth, and she liked it. But then it didn't—it didn't look real. To me. It looked terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I painted over what I had painted over and tried to make it look more real. And then she didn't like the shirt anymore. And she said, "You wolfed it up." <laughs> so Neo Geo, Neo Geo wolfed it up. You wolfed it up. Uh, the good news is, if you do own a Neo Geo CD, uh, the copy protection at the time was nobody owns a CD burner. 
Oh. So what that means now is you can burn as much as you want oh, really? with no just... trouble. Gotcha. So uh, if you own that, uh, you have the entire library at your hands automatically. Whoa. So Boy, <laughs> en- enjoy that. <laughs> um, but yeah, go. Uh, my, my parting message to you is this. Go enjoy some some uh, unloved systems. Go check out the Atari 7800 library. It Plus, is fun. It's obsolete, but it's fun. Play an action, Max. Play an action, Max. Try it. Get bored of it. You can buy one with all of the games on eBay for about 20 bucks. Is it that cheap? Yeah, I, I found one where they're selling three action maxes and two copies of each of three of the games for $16 plus shipping. That's unreal. <laughs> um, go check out, uh, you know, the RCA Studio 2. Do check that out. It's, it's very fascinating. You can still, to this day, buy uh, 1802 computer kits that are that are interesting if you're into electronics and, and, and uh, to-the-metal computing. Or if you've just been sitting at home listening to this, go outside and do something with your Oh, life. please. Please, yeah. what are you doing? Don't, don't play a game. Don't be me. Don't, don't be, be me. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, so thanks very much for listening. You can find me at Nate underscore Lockhart on Twitter. See me tweet about all kinds of weird old stuff. Uh, tweet out weird pictures and... Uh, uh, Simpsons quotes and you know mourning over the state of the world and continue to follow this space check out memorymachinepod.com remember live memory machine podcast recording with James Rolfe May 19th at 5 p.m. at the Nickel City Comic Con in Buffalo in Buffalo New York at that convention center that they've got. I don't remember the name of it. Buffalo Convention Center. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't, If it has another name, name. I wouldn't know it. Yep. That's uh, what I know. It's Buffalo Convention Center. So, and even if you don't come to the recording, maybe you can only come on Friday or Sunday. I'll be there. Come say hi. I want to talk to you. Anyway, Drew, plug something. All right. My butthole. <laughs> <laughs> This <laughs> is what you cover your for, for folks. Oh boy, so, uh, this is what earned me a guest spot. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Okay. I, uh, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of plugging lately because mm-hmm. we're running an event with the uh, Lock City Glee Club. Okay. Never the, too late to start an art. Oh, the, this will be uh, May 9th. So, That's May so it'll 9th. be before. Uh, yep. Is when this comes out. So this. So will be... if you're a local person, never mm-hmm. too late to start an art is just a way to let you know that arts exist in your community. But if you're not a local person. Arts exist in your community, too. Find a choir. Find a theater group. Find a dance group. Find mm-hmm. some somebody who's going to teach you how to do pottery and learn a new skill. Have fun. You might make some uh, friends with some septuagenarians like we have. That's with right. With our Glee Club. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They're awesome. Oh, they're great. They got great uh, Dave titles. Greenfield. Love that guy. Yeah, Dave. He's awesome. <laughs> he's the best. What a good guy. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks, hopefully with the uh, Nickel City Comic Con recording. Uh, either that or something about uh, the oh you're not going to of... broadcast live you're going to record oh, it live, in the bro- record I, didn't it live. I don't know how this works repeat it back. I'm not a scientist um, hopefully I'll also record a podcast on the history of uh, wrestling with television so yeah. wait like literal wrestling with a television wrestling on television on television yeah, wrestling on top of a television. You definitely said with. What? Wrestling with television? <laughs> That's definitely what you said. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't okay. know. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, wrestling with television. It's going to be coming to you soon uh, as well with uh, hope, hopefully special guest Austin J. Bruner and uh, my good buddy Dan Leggett. There you go. That'll be a winner. Uh, it will be. Anyway, 
be on the lookout for that. Thanks for listening again. Love you. Bye. Good fight. Good night. Good night.